welcome to episode 259 of the Samuel and Manuel Movie Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Sam Reimer. I'm a Manny Manuel. And I am Wesley Meineker. Yes! Welcome yes, back, sir. baby! We are back! Back for the summer, I think, and right? Uh, for a few days. Yeah, okay, cool. <laughs> but in person for the first time. Yeah, yes. this we is have... the first time the three of us have been yeah. in the same room at the same time. Always a glorious, a glorious thing. There's it a is... couple people that are still true for um, you and Jordan have never met in person. Never met Jordan in person. I no. unfortunately had to uh, miss the return of uh, Mike the Italian. Yeah. So you guys still haven't met. Hey? Still haven't met. No, I uh, I wound up. I think I had a show that week or something like that. Yep. I needed to prepare for, and I feel really bad about that. But uh, it's yeah. Jordan's the only one I haven't met in person. Yeah, I think um... you haven't met Rachel. No, I met Rachel at uh, Fox oh, and Hounds that right, one time when right, we went for trivia. movie movie trivia yeah. that turned out to not be movie trivia. Yeah. Dude. <laughs> Fuck you, bitch. Yeah, Wes and I met for the first time in person, I think. Uh, back in December or January. Oh, the movie date. I was we... so jealous. Oh, no, we met at um, uh, when we went to Carlos go... O'Brien's. Right? Oh, yeah, very briefly, true. Yeah, we like briefly five minutes. we were both very drunk at uh, Carlos <laughs> O'Brien's on it. First time we met while sober was uh, just a few months ago, yeah. like in I want to say February. Yeah, Babylon. Uh, yeah, we went to yeah. go see Babylon, oh, Vancouver. I was so jealous. Yeah. Great. <laughs> that was the first time we actually like hung out, hung out. Yeah, Carlos, yeah, yeah, it was yeah. just like, oh shit, yeah, I know you. Like, hey, what's up? Yeah, <laughs> but that time, yeah, and that was a great theater experience too. I loved it. Yeah, awesome. Well, welcome back, Wes. Thank you, thank you. Um, and what a day to be reunited, or united for the first time. Yes. What a uh, special Ju- night. July 21st, 2023. It's not just part eight of the 1990 miniseries where we're going to be talking about Goodfellas. It is also happy Barbenheimer Day Barbenheimer. to all of you. Yeah. Yes. Uh, I mean, technically the release is tomorrow, but the, the early previews the early... all start today, and people are yeah. going to start And going. a few people in the chat saw them today. Right? Yeah, exactly. Jordan saw Oppenheimer, and Rachel saw uh, Barbie. Yeah, Rachel Barbie. saw Barbie already. Yeah. Um, Spoilers, Rachel gave Barbie a five. Yes. Ooh. Yeah, she didn't really elaborate further, and I'm happy that she didn't. Yeah. But yes. Um, out of curiosity, which are y'all seeing first? Barbie. Oppenheimer. Yeah, Oppenheimer. Ooh, I'm Oppenheimer. the I'm the deal breaker. I only have tickets booked to one right now, and that one is Barbie. I'm seeing mm-hmm. uh, I'm seeing Barbie at 6:45 tomorrow, uh, and then I am seeing nice. uh, the plan is to see Oppenheimer on Sunday. Yeah. Got a I couple gotcha. couple I'm going people. to Barbie and Oppenheimer tomorrow. Yeah, that's the dream. That yeah. is the dream. Oh yeah, well you're doing yeah you're doing it the proper way. That's what yeah, adulthood's all about. Yeah, but uh, I, yeah, I, I bet have... you bet you developed a little bit of a cough at work today. Or... No, <laughs> <laughs> don't think I'm gonna be able to make it, boss. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm yep. pretty busy this weekend, so I booked my tickets for Tuesday in Langley, 70 millimeter IMAX. Uh, woo! Oh yeah. Yeah. Okay. So I'm you're gonna going be late. The, so I'm going the right route. So I gotta get some mileage out of having seen Oppenheimer before you, because once you watch it, you'll have seen it like the way to see oh, it. Oh yeah. The way our Lord. <laughs> the way our Lord intended. <laughs> our Lord That's right. Christopher Nolan. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Um, is he your number one? No, number Scorsese. One. No, Scorsese. Oh, That's Scorsese. why I'm here. Scorsese. Yeah. Your number not one? only is this a good day because we're joined for Barbenheimer <laughs> Eve, but we're here to talk about the goat. Martin Scorsese, at least my favorite. That's <laughs> the goat. I was talking about Michael Jordan. Talking about Space Jam. <laughs> <laughs> I was here a couple years ago uh, when I joined you guys for David Fincher's Seven, yes. and I made a capital letters bold claim that Scorsese was the greatest living filmmaker, and despite probably seeing maybe only like five <laughs> or six of his films. And same for Spielberg, Ugh. which for those of you that don't know, that is Manny's second favorite filmmaker. Yeah, for almost first. Yeah, it, 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 no, yeah, he's got to be my number two. Yeah. Yeah. So while uh, Sam and Manny and uh, your third chair, Jordan, and the rest of the crew has been going through a little journey through 1990, 
I've been going on a bit of my own journey, uh, going even further back in time, looking at a lot of Scorsese's filmography. I didn't reach my full goal, as you guys know. I yeah. wanted to do his full filmography, um, including documentaries and shorts. And then I dropped the documentaries. And then I dropped the shorts. And then I said just up until Goodfellas. And I didn't even do that. But <laughs> at least I made it all the way through the 70s. Um, and it's been awesome just uh, getting to know him more as an artist and as a filmmaker and seeing like the familiar crew like Robert De Niro and Harvey Keitel and getting used to them as actors too. Um, it's been awesome. And I managed like to get 14 done, which is over half. That's so, good. You know, that's good. not mad. Not mad. Yeah, that's good. I have, well, I've got 12. I've seen 14, but I'm only willing to talk about 12. Mm-hmm. I'm actually shocked <laughs> that I hit as many as I did. I have eight, and uh, I'm actually really surprised it's that high. I haven't seen anything pre-Goodfellas, so mm-hmm. sorry no Raging Bull and sorry no uh, Taxi Driver. Hey, but that's the best thing about him is his quality <laughs> never went away into yeah. the 21st century. He's still in peak form. Yeah, I would yeah. say. Well, I guess yeah. we'll see in I mean, November. in the, in the 21st century, <laughs> we'll, sure. We'll see. In the 21st there's century, a, sure. There's a couple films of his that I don't like. Oh, okay. Yeah. I don't think there's any on the list that I don't like, but... That's fair. Yeah. Mm-hmm. At least that I've seen. Yeah, me neither. Okay. Yeah, but uh, we're uh, we're uh, getting ahead of ourselves, I think, a little bit, right? We are. Okay, cool. This is your fourth time on here. It sure is. Do you, you can probably name... Yeah. Can you name his four films? Can I name his four oh, films? here yes. we go. Okay, okay. Uh, we got seven. Yep. Uh, there was one Harry Potter in there. It Which was one? the... Order of the Phoenix. Correct. Yes, because Jordan stole my spot for Prisoner of Azkaban. <laughs> Prisoner of Azkaban. <laughs> but that's your favorite film ever. So yeah. <laughs> you, I know, and you ha- happily conceded that yeah. as well. A gentleman. That's a, a true I, gentleman. I think it's my number five or number six. So yeah. Yeah. A true gentleman I, of the podcast. You could have just lied and said it was your number one for the sake of picking it, but you I didn't. So. I, um, I feel like I'm going to need hints probably on the other one. So, Scorsese. Well, the other one's tonight. Oh, yeah. so, wait, hold so on. So, I've been this on three before. This is my fourth. Oh, okay, did I? I don't think I named all of them. I said seven. I said Order the Phoenix. We got Goodfellas and you, tonight. And I'm missing one. And I'm missing one. Was there you, one that I wasn't on? here for? Uh, it, was it, it was... Cape Fear? No. No. Oh, okay. I haven't seen Cape Fear. I a hint maybe. It was the first movie that we did after you took your break. I was the first one to fill in. Not Thelma and Louise because that was Jordan. Not Cape Fear. Um, I don't think it was. Um, wow, embarrassing that I can't think of the name it's of it. It's a '93 movie. Oh, it's a 93 movie. Okay, then I definitely don't know it. I don't know. Spike Lee. Oh, Do the Right Thing? No, nope. that's 89. Spike Lee. Oh, Malcolm X. Yes. 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 <laughs> yep. A giant of a cool. film. Like yeah. three and a half hours, I think. Yeah. Wes, what do you think the average metascore of your three oh, films are? Oh, God. I haven't even thought about this. Okay, seven is going to be 95 on Metacritic, I think. Order of the Phoenix, I have no idea. I want to say like high 70s. And Malcolm X, I also have. Mm. Okay. I'm going to go for hmm, 77.4. Okay. You you messed up because mm. Metacritic mm. has 7 as a 65. What? what? Uh, yeah. Oh, is it maybe Rotten Tomatoes that has 95%? Possibly, Possibly. Yes. Okay. That is a crime. Okay. <laughs> uh, you went a little high. Yours is 69.7. 69.0. Oh. Nice. Which Oof. is its third... Amongst the PFGs, okay, with, okay, I'll take with that. those that have at least three films. Okay, yeah, yeah. So at like Adam, Goodfellas is gonna raise you up for sure. Adam, oh, yeah, yeah it, and this does not include Goodfellas, by yeah, the way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so Adam actually has you beat, but he only has two movies. So I, 
you got to come on at least three times. Yeah. Uh, I just got to interrupt briefly to say something that's totally not related. I usually have my phone on silent, but I did just get a text from our mutual friend we were talking about before we came on air, Talos, and he uh, he says he says hey. He says, he, what's up? he says his exact words are, "Dude, I fucking love Wes." <laughs> <laughs> Def, tell him I said hello. Yeah. So hey, hello, if hello, he's Wes. Listening, shout he's out not, to but it's okay. <laughs> we can per- we can pretend that he is. Yeah. yeah. Uh, all right. What's your average letterbox score on your three my, films? This is my no, rate. no, no. Oh. The average, the average letterbox scores. Oh my god. Okay, okay. This is tough. This is tough. Seven's gonna be really high. Mm, I'm gonna go for three point nine. Three point nine. What do you think? Average letterbox score of Malcolm X seven, and Harry Potter and the Order of the Phoenix. Uh, three point nine sounds pretty good. I'm gonna take the. Under, I'm going to go 3.7. Okay, it's 4.0. Ooh. <laughs> so I was pretty close. You are number one. Hell yes. I man, will take that. A like man a of the people. Honor. A man of the people. Wes, what's your average rating on your three films? Do you know it? Would <laughs> so, it be like a 4.25? A little bit higher. 4.7. 4.7? Yeah. Because I gave two I fives gave, and a four. Two fives and a four. Yeah. Okay. I'm not that good at averages. Round it up from 4.6. 6, Sam, what do you think your average score? You've only seen two of the films. We got Order of the Phoenix and we got seven. Yeah. So four and a half. Yeah. yeah. Yep. <clears throat> Manny's is 4.3. Yeah. 4.3. <laughs> yep. And that's. And order, if I'm not mistaken, Order of the Phoenix was the only Harry Potter you gave a four. Ooh. And uh, maybe the last one. Yeah, Prisoner got a three. Yeah, I know uh, that. That was heartbreaking. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm going to say Hallow's one got a four. Was that in 2021? That was twenty. That was twenty. I think like August twenty twenty. Oh yeah, no, we we three pandemic era. Yep. Yeah. Good call. Twenty twenty. Summer twenty twenty. Hallows two also got a four. Hallows two. Good call. Hallows two. Yeah. There you go. See, see, I'm a listener. I'm a listener. You guys. Dude, I'm here and I don't remember this shit. Uh, so those are Wes's stats, which will obviously change the next time he comes on. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, before we move on, though, we do have a thank you. We, we need to thank Jordan. Yeah. For coming on for Kindergarten Cop, which was a lot of fun. Yeah. Good luck listing all the movies she's been on over yeah. the years, because that's that's a lot. I have tried it, and I'm probably gonna try it again next time she comes on, and I'm still gonna fail. Yeah. So I'm not going to, but I I could probably name half. I could probably. All right, game on. Do you actually want? Okay, game on. Okay, here we go, Jordan. <laughs> uh, time to prove so, I'm a fan. So, um, if I'm not mistaken, we you. hit lucky number thirteen. Is that right? I believe so. Okay, so Wes okay. says he's going to be able to name seven. Okay, yeah, we're taking the, <laughs> we're taking the over. Over. Yeah. Okay. Um, Arrival. Check. Dune. Check. Thelma and Louise. Mm-hmm. Check. It the one that she came with Rachel on the Lion King. No. No. Incorrect. Oh. <laughs> we'll give you the mulligan. Uh, <laughs> we'll give you that mulligan. Like, you get one mess up. Yeah, yeah. Um, oh, I have to keep going. This would be embarrassing. Well, so, Arrival, Dune, Thelma, and Louise already. Yeah, Arrival, Dune, Thelma, and Louise. Couple obvious ones. Cop. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, take, um, the, take the easy ones. I'm trying. Oh. Yeah. Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban. There you go. Yeah. Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows Part 2. Correct. I'm at six. Yeah, you need, need one, one more. more. <laughs> oh, I got this. Oh, it's right on the tip of my tongue. Okay, yeah, there's... There, you had the thing with Rachel, with right? With Rachel. But you got the movie wrong. Is it an animated movie? No. Is it a comedy? No. And it's one they both really like. Yeah. Was oh, I on for this episode? Beauty and the Beast. Yeah, you were. Beauty and the Beast. 
No, but that is an episode, but it's not the one you're thinking of. Is it with Jordan? Jordan, yeah, beach? Jordan, yeah, I'll give All it right. to you. Jordan, there's seven. There's seven. Cool. Boom. The one you're <laughs> thinking of is Jurassic Park. Jurassic Park. Oh, oh thank you. Oh, I'm so thankful they yeah. made me watch that movie. Well, the, I guess the draft made me watch that movie. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, the ones you're missing are Annihilation. Okay. Toy Story 4. Oh. Um, yeah. Sleepless in Seattle. A okay. Few Good Men. And Unforgiven. Okay. I should have gotten Unforgiven. Should have. But hey, we made it. That was my triumphant return last summer. I remember that episode. Yeah, that's very, right. Yeah, yeah. Very fondly. Um, so yeah, big thank you to Jordan for coming on for Kindergarten Cop. We did have a, I had a lot, of, I had a lot of fun. I had a lot of fun revisiting that movie. I had a lot of fun discussing it with Jordan and Sam, uh, and it was fun watching Sam talk about an Arnold movie. Yeah, <laughs> it was, it was interesting. I don't have a lot of experience with Arnold comedies, mm-hmm. and yeah, it was just very. Very aggressively '90s, <laughs> and some mixed feelings about it. But yeah, it was it was good. Which leads into our Spotify question, which was attached to that episode, which is, "What is your favorite Arnie film?" And we had two people answer it. Here we go, including our very own Wesley. Whoa, <laughs> Wesley, what is your favorite Arnie <laughs> film? I put down the classic. Batman and Robin. Nice. <laughs> that is ridiculous. <laughs> because, actually, I'm just checking. I'm yeah. just checking. On Letterboxd. Yeah. At Arnold Schwarzenegger's filmography. Yeah. That is the only Arnold Schwarzenegger movie I have ever seen. That you've... What? That, you, that yeah. you've logged? Uh, but that's the only one you've ever seen? That I've seen? ever seen. You've I've never seen like... Terminator. I've never seen Expendables. Holy shit! Uh, what else have we got? Never seen... Dude, Dave. you should have come on for Terminator 2! Well, I need to watch the first one first. Uh. <laughs> I, know. I know. Oh so, my god! <laughs> by default, Batman and Robin. Okay, can we is can we lock it in that the next time we do an Arnie movie on the podcast, you're on? Can for we sure. just lock that in right now? Let's do it. Yeah, that's not can. for a while though, eh? There's or, honestly, there's no good ones coming. Yeah, we have no good ones coming. Are they better than Batman and Robin? Yes, <laughs> <laughs> emphatically. Dude, this is shocking. To I know, me. right? Yeah, shocking. The, the shitty thing is that there's no good. There's no good Arnie movies. Like, we've already done. We did Kindergarten Cop. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And he, I thought he had. We another, did Terminator. We've done. Well, well we did Terminator, Terminator two. two. Yeah. Um, but then going forward in the '90s, the only ones worth doing, we've done. So we've done Terminator two, and True Lies. Yeah. That's it. Hmm. He doesn't have any other really good ones in the '90s. Yeah, he's kind of doing. He's kind of in cheesy uh, family comedy mode in the '90s, isn't he? A little bit, and he's also. This is when he because I well I also knew this, but I watched the Arnold documentary on Netflix. Oh yeah. Um, he's transitioning away from film and going into politics. Right, right of course, as yeah. the governor. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. Hey, well, we could do an Expendables franchise watch. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I've I have seen two of the Expendables movies. I think, yeah. unfortunately, I've seen one. Did not leave me wanting to go back. Yeah, I couldn't see myself enjoying those nope. at all. Uh, yeah, I, uh, if you find yourself with the time, I know you're a busy student and you already got tons of film to watch. Yeah, highly recommend just uh, Terminator One and Two. Yeah. Oh yeah, Ex- that's definitely high on the watch list for Wicked. sure, especially Terminator Two. Wicked. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um. So we had another person write in their answer, mm. uh, and it is from the uh, incomparable Mushhead. Yeah. Uh, her answer, verbatim. Shut up, Mushhead. Yeah. Verbatim. All the film that he's not in. Ha ha ha. Just kidding. True Lies. <laughs> Thanks, Mushy. <laughs> yeah, True Lies uh, got a two from me. Yeah. Got a two wow. from me. 
Yeah. Yeah. Feeling okay. good. Didn't age well. It didn't age well mm. for me either. I actually, I'll, I'll fully admit, went in expecting to at least give it a four. Yeah. And it got a three. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so, and the last time you watched it, you think you would have given it a four? Like back in the day? Oh, 100%. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's, uh... There's a it, handful of really good scenes in it, and then there's a handful of just, like, really uncomfortably right. weird scenes. Yes. And what is your... What's your distinction, again, between a two and a three? Uh, good... Three's a good movie uh, with flaws, and a two is a bad movie with, with moments. With good scenes. Yeah. yeah. Like True yeah. Lies. Yeah. Yeah, uh, True Lies definitely in that category. So... <clears throat> As per uh, tradition now, we will also answer our own question. Sam, what is your favorite Arnold movie? It's not even close. Who, who, could, who could hate Mr. Freeze for Batman and Robin? No. It's, <laughs> it's, it's obviously Terminator 2. Yeah. It's, it's, and it's, like, frankly not close. Even Second place probably would be Terminator. Um, but it's, like, Terminator 2 up here and Terminator 1 down here. And I'm sorry for the listeners of the podcast who can't see that hand gesture, but yes. you can probably imply what I'm doing. Um... When I was writing my answer, I kind of had an idea of what it was right away. And then when I decided to just... I'm like, I should double-check his filmography. Because I thought it was going to be between kind of two films. Um, I also went with Terminator 2. Uh, the other ones that were in contention is Predator, the first one. Uh, and, a, and the movie that kind of really launched him into becoming an actor into a star and that's the first Conan movie. First I, which? Conan. Okay. Uh, I absolutely love that movie. I know like I, I watched it again recently like within the last year and I don't know if it's one that I could recommend because if you didn't grow up with it you might find it kind of quaint or mm. not quite there but I think that's my own reservations and that as you know I take recommendations seriously. Oh, yeah. I, and if I recommend somebody to watch something and they don't like it, I genuinely feel bad. Hmm. So if someone's looking to watch an Arnold movie, I'm just going to go, I'm like, you go you go to the Terminator films or you watch Predator. Those are yeah. my go-tos. You will have a fucking great time. The Terminator yeah. films, so past two. Yeah, the past, the first two. Yeah, yeah just the first two. Just the, the first two. James Cameron doesn't direct any of the other. No, ones, I think right? does he produce? Uh, produce in the, in the sense that he allows his name to be a part of it, so he can get some money. Yeah, totally. Yeah, but as yeah, the first two are really, they're definitely the only great ones, and probably the only two worth watching. Yes, yeah. they are. The other ones are, <clears throat> an, almost. An, I remember liking parts of three, but I was also like. I don't know. I was probably 12, 13 when I watched three for the I last time. kind of raised from my mind. The last one, I think it's called Dark Fate. Yeah. Um, <laughs> kind of does what movies recently have done. They pretend the other ones don't exist, and they pick up where they think... It, like So Dark Fate picks up where two leaves off. Oh. To kind okay. of reboot it. Um, I like what they did. I like what they did, but it's still... Would it, you say it's the best of... The other ones? The other ones. Ha easily. Hmm. But it's it's like... It's right at the end. You have to wade through so much shit. It's one and two. <laughs> Again, hand gestures on an audio podcast, but this is for Weston. It's one and two, three, yeah. the rest. Ah. Yeah. Like, I honestly don't bother unless you're a completionist. Like, okay. don't bother yep. at all. Um, but yeah, so it's it's T2 for me as well. Awesome. Mm. Um yeah, be very, but yeah, I I've always loved Conan. The second Conan movie is not good, <laughs> like at all. But the first one I really enjoy, 
has a villain I think you'd like. It's James Earl Jones Ooh, as the villain. Nice. In, right, nice. It's a live action movie, right? Yep. Nice. And I love seeing James Earl Jones in a live action. You'd did, like you watch, did you watch Field of Dreams, perchance? I perchance did, and I perchance was not the biggest fan. Oh, <laughs> no! I gave it a three out of five. I think I remember I, that, actually. I it just like, had, oh, yeah, because it was in our draft, right? Yeah, yeah it, and it, it was like last place. <laughs> to be fair, it was, you know, you have those film watching experience when you have it a long day you're a bit tired and it affects the experience a little bit mm -hmm. but also at the same time just like the amount of 80s cheese poured uh, into that movie it, sure it's good for the heart but it's funny like that sometimes it works and doesn't work right yeah. like uh kindergarten cop is a great example of a movie that just has it's 1990 on the dot right so so probably just like made in the just 80s. like yeah, yeah just yeah. maximum cheese factor and for me yeah it like bothered me a little bit and sometimes yeah. uh but feel the dreams just like Pour that cheese down my throat, baby. Yeah. Uh, give me more queso. That's yeah. I loved it. <laughs> yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, I get it. Um, okay, since we have a guest and we actually have something planned at the end of the episode as well, Ooh. we decided to scrap of what we've been watching and we're going to get right into our review of Goodfellas. Uh, it's released September twenty first, nineteen ninety. Directed by Martin Scorsese. Uh, written by Nicholas Pileggi and Martin Scorsese, starring Robert De Niro, Joe Pesci, and Ray Liotta. Has a meta score of 92. That's going to help you out there, Wesse. <laughs> uh, and a letterbox score of 4.5. That's going to help out you there, Hell Wesse. Yes. Uh, it is in the IMDb Top 250. Anyone want to take a guess on where it ranks? IMDb Top 250? Uh, yeah, I am going to go uh, 45. 45. I'm going to go 10. 18. Woo! Nice. Yep. Good job. Uh, it's also in the AFI Top 100. Oh, wow. Where's it, go? Where's it going? Uh, I guess I got to up it a little bit. I'm going to go 20. I'm still going to guess 10. Okay, it's 92. <laughs> oh, ah! okay. <laughs> and on the brand new Sight and Sound Top 250, it oh. made the list where? 10. I, I want to say, like, 225? No, 63. Oh, my God. I mean, it's all over the place. Yes. So this movie is widely, widely regarded as uh, Are we done with the stats? No. Okay, keep going. When we're done, let me know. Okay. Uh, it won one Oscar for Best Supporting Actor for Joe Pesci. It had six nominations that year, including Best Picture, Best Director, Best Film Editing, Best Adapted Screenplay, Best Supporting Actress for Lorraine Bracco, and the uh, win for Joe Pesci. Uh, it had a bunch <coughs> of... Should have won more. <laughs> <laughs> we're we're going to get into that. Uh, it had a budget of $25 million. It grossed $46 million. Uh, making it the 26th highest-grossing film in 1990. Modest. Wow. The plot. The story of Henry Hill and his life in the mafia, covering his relationship with his wife Karen and his mob partners Jimmy Conway and Tommy DeVito. Sam, you had something you wanted to add. Yeah, sorry. Unrelated to Goodfellas, I shouldn't be looking up my phone while we're on this, but yes. uh, Jordan has just come out of Oppenheimer. Yes. Uh, oh. And sent a message to the group. Uh, it's, not, it's not spoilery, but she does have an opinion in it. Shall I read it? It's, it's Barbenheimer. It's Barbenheimer Happy Day. Happy Barbenheimer Day. Um, from Jordan. Sorry, all the names are stupid in the group chat, but I forgot <laughs> I forgot about Tick Tick Fizzle as Jordan, right? Yes. <laughs> okay, yes. cool. Um, quote, I'm sort of at a loss for words on this one. Nolan has outdone himself. That's for sure. Breathtaking. That's, that's awesome. it. That's, that's the review. Excellent. That's, awesome. that's the review. Excellent. Everybody go buy your tickets. Yeah. It comes out on Sunday, so if you haven't seen it yet, it you're doing something Monday. wrong. comes out Monday. Monday. Well, what comes out Monday? That the gives episode. you even more time. Oh, I see, I see, I see, yeah. Okay. Yes. I was like, it comes out like today. What are we talking about? <laughs> <laughs> no, the thing that matters, the podcast. Oh, yeah, yeah. The real piece of art in this yes. discussion. Yeah, got it. Uh, all right. Sam, your spoiler-free discussions. 
Uh, yeah, so one of the things I always like looking at uh, in these movies, especially as we go further back, is uh, what did Roger Ebert have to say about it? Nice! Uh, Roger Ebert said, It is possible that this is the finest film ever made about organized crime. Oh, bold. Yeah, yeah. that's a very bold claim. Yeah, that's a very bold claim. I personally disagree. As do I. Me too. Yep. Um, this is on the Mount Rushmore, though. Oh, yeah. Wow. Yeah, oh, yeah, this is like... Uh, Godfather One, Two, Goodfellas, oh, and what it, what even... Was, what even goes on there other than know. that? Casino, maybe, <laughs> yeah, maybe <laughs> actually, yeah. <laughs> Godfather Three, but the face that you carve into it is not Sofia Coppola. <laughs> um, have yeah, you so seen, have you seen Godfather Three? I have not. Neither. And I know no, you haven't. No. We're doing that soon. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, so this is my second watch of Goodfellas. I think, if memory serves, my first watch was I had just seen Wolf of Wall Street in theaters in 2013, and it was getting all these comparisons to this old movie from the 90s called Goodfellas. That I was like, okay, nice. shit, I guess I got to check this out. And I went and checked it out after the fact, really enjoyed it, even on the first watch. Um, I was really excited to revisit because, believe it or not, Wolf of Wall Street now 10 years ago, as, uh, as we're sitting here in the that's year 2023. Wild. That's insane. Um, the comparisons are apt. Uh, very similar themes between the two of uh, greed and ambition, having a an anti-hero right at the center uh, who is uh, deplorable, just a monster of a human being. Yep. Uh, but given that he's put in sort of the protagonist role, you can't help but root for him in certain situations. Um, a lot of the themes of the film are about the toxicity of ambition, the inherent evil and greed that lies in all of us. And uh, it's... Certainly a masterful stroke of filmmaking. It was one of the ones I was really excited to come back and visit. Um, all, you listed off the laundry list of nominations it got for acting. Um, a name notice, notably absent on that list, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, uh, is Ray Liotta. Correct. Yeah, Ray Liotta, wow. no nomination. Um, and no De Niro, right? Correct. Uh, highway robbery. Just tragedies. We'll talk about that when we get to 1990, I guess, as to who we could have booted off, but... I am. I'd be shocked if we get to the end of this year and I find five performances I like better than Ray Liotta in a in a lead performance. I just don't think that's going to happen. Um, but yeah, between the acting and the uh, screenplay, which is so excellent, um, we're gonna probably talk about a lot of the filmmaking aspects of it. Uh, Wes, if I can steal the thing you told us before we came on air, yeah. you said that um, Scorsese edited this, or he wanted it to be edited like a trailer. Yeah, you can't really one take a long breath. trailer. Yeah, yeah, like we all we all were trying to pick our favorite scenes before, uh, and, uh, and I can tell you that all the scenes that I have, most of them are like thirty to forty five seconds long. It is breakneck speed for two and a half hours. Totally. It's like you do, did a yeah. big rail of coke and then hit play. Totally. <laughs> Basically, what it is. So, um, an insanely well paced movie, an insanely well made movie, insanely well acted movie. Uh, I was really excited to come back to this one. It did not disappoint. Yeah, awesome, awesome, Wes. All right. Uh, well, Goodfellas <laughs> is one of those movies that I probably watched way too young. <laughs> <laughs> Did you uh, also watch it in 2013? Something like that. That would yeah. make you like Which what? 13 years like old or 11? Yeah. 12? Yeah. Uh, a lot of such a, a baby. <laughs> a lot of the. I'll get into it, but a lot of movies I watched that I shouldn't have been watching. I watched before I got into high nice. school. Nice. Because I think as I've mentioned on the group chat my dad is a massive movie fan um and it's really affected how i've grown up watching movies shout out to my dad chris <laughs> yeah chris what's up chris um he we should he should participate in the chris draft that we're gonna do yes <laughs> totally um but yeah um 
I grew up watching great yet slightly inappropriate for my age movies. You know, childhood classics like The Godfather 1 and 2, Saving Private Ryan, Apocalypse Now, The Wolf of Wall Street, Paranormal Activity, The Blair Witch Project. You know, films of that nature. Paranormal uh, so, Activity finding its way onto that list. My goodness. So with that being said, um, I've always considered this film one of my all-time favorite films. Uh, despite not watching it in forever, probably since I was 11 or 12. Whoa. Um, and I was so stoked to revisit it because it's been years, and I've seen it. And um, watching it now, there's a surprisingly a lot of stuff that I didn't remember. And we'll get more into that in the spoiler section, but like certain character deaths, certain scenes, the ending. Um, I couldn't remember how the movie ended, uh, how the story gets told and how it unfolds in some of the narration. And I'll get more into the specifics of that, but I like completely forgot about it. Um, but regardless, I think I had just a good time watching it now as I did back then. Um, the performances are amazing, like uh, Sam said, and this contains just some classic Scorsese elements while also uh, some of the first stepping stones for Scorsese tropes that he would become known for. So like you got brutal depictions of violence, you got amazing mobster stories, decades sprawling stories, and references to films from the old Hollywood studio system and a bunch of stuff like that. Um, and just all the stuff that I love about Scorsese is on full display here. Um, so yeah, that's about it. I was super stoked to revisit this one. Perfect. Uh, I did not see this movie in 1990. I probably didn't see it till probably 93, maybe even 94. And I have no idea why I wouldn't have seen it. For so long, but... Well, you just weren't really attuned to, you know, you weren't really a, a film, capital F film nerd at uh, that point in your life, right? Yeah. Yeah. Till, well, it was well, 92? 92 with Last Mohicans is what sparked it, and then 94 Pulp Fiction is what broke it wide open. Right. Um, yeah, and I remember watching it and really enjoying it. And then as I've continued to watch it immeasurable times since then... Uh, my appreciation for this film has just grown exponentially. Mm -hmm. And I was super excited for us to get to 1990 to watch this. Now, do I want to discuss this now? Sure. Sure. A lot of people, one of the things I'm most excited about for 1990 is that a lot of people look at 1990 as one of the Oscar travesties as to Goodfellas not winning over right. Dances with Wolves. You love Dances with Wolves. I do love Dances with Wolves. And I'm very excited to get to the year in review. Now, I haven't watched Dances with Wolves in about 15 years. Are you guys doing an episode? Yep. Oh, yeah. Big time. Yep. Best picture winner this year. Um, in my mind, I... Well, I won't get into it here. I know why it won in 1990, and I'll break that down when we get to Dance with Wolves and when we get to the year in review. Okay. So I am right on the fence on both, and I'm already sweating for our year in review when I have to decide and I have to make the decision on what should have won back then and what should have won now. So totally. I'm already sweating what I have to because I have to make a decision. Um, but I'm very excited to do so. That being said, there's no denying what this film means in regards to everything. It is widely considered one of the greatest films ever made. 
as all the accolades we've already talked about, it's made it makes every best of list. It makes yep. like we see it's on the IMDb top fifty that is voted on by fans of movies. It's on the AFI that's voted on by members of the American Film Institute. It's on the Sight and Sound, which is everybody, right? That's critics, mm-hmm. directors, producers, yep. actors, actors, and everybody. Siskel and Ebert named it their top movie of 1990. Wow, a weird instance where they agree. <laughs> yes. Um, and then I'm sure if you look for the top 10 movies of the 90s, Goodfellas has got to be on that list. Mm-hmm. Be, I can't wait for us to make that list. Oh, that's going to be so much fun. <laughs> Are you guys um, doing like a yes. full wrap-up episode of the whole decade? Yes. Awesome. Yes. I'm looking forward to that. That's roughly – timeline would be roughly tw- – Late 2025 yeah. <laughs> would be a good estimation on when that should occur. Yep. Looking ahead, nice. mm-hmm. if we're still doing this. coming quicker Hope than so. we think. I, I think I think we will. I think we will. Even though I'm getting to be a busy guy, I have no intention of cutting the cord. Nope. Nope. Um, but yeah, so I've basically I, I like to say that I've grown up with this film, but I'm thinking now I'm like I probably saw it when I was in my late teens. So I guess yeah. I'm still growing up, right? Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> we're yeah. still we're still all growing up. True. Uh, so yeah, I, I've had this movie for in my life for a long time, and it's I can heap nothing but praise on it. Uh, there's not much about this movie that I don't like. There's one minor complaint, but even then, it's not even that big. Um, but why don't we get into the discussion of this film? Because all of us have a lot to say about a movie this good, Let's do as it. per tradition. Our guests can take us into spoilers. Oh, wonderful, wonderful. Well, for anyone listening out there, this movie is now 33 years old. Indeed it is. So you've had plenty of time uh, (laughs) to watch this. And if you haven't watched it yet, make sure you pause this episode, go watch it, come back, because we are about to get into spoilers. Spoiler warning. Three, two, one, go fuck yourself. Love it. Quality execution. That was perfection. Sam. Why don't you start us off with your first notable scene? Yeah, so why not just uh, why not just start with the meat? You know, why not start with the I think the scene that everybody thinks about when they think about Goodfellas. How am I funny? Oh fuck yeah! Uh, how am I funny? The bamboo lounge. <laughs> yeah, the bamboo lounge. Um, you know, Joe Pesci. I'm sorry, you have to remind me. One or was or one or was nominated? One. Yeah, man, one. he's giving me the thumbs up for one. <laughs> yeah. Um, this scene is definitely the four-year consideration scene. This is where he wins it. Like I always forget when I watch this movie how quick into it it is. I was surprised. I was already familiar with this scene before I had seen it for the first time. And I remember being surprised then, and I was re-surprised now. I'm like, holy shit, this is like right at the beginning of the movie. It's, it's crazy. Um, I think one of the reasons this scene works so well is because we have already seen kind of i guess you'd call it a flash forward to uh to tommy stabbing the body in the trunk of the car in a fit of rage yep we've already seen that so we already know he's a hothead he's not afraid to kill um so us having seen that is the sole reason that him stopping laughing and becoming uh seemingly (laughs) aggressive and seemingly pissed off the that's the reason that works and when everybody stops laughing around him it's because everybody around him knows like this dude's a loose fucking cannon. He's liable to shoot any one of us right now. And I honestly think that if Ray Liotta's character hadn't cut in and be like, hey, stop fucking with me. Like, I think that scene could have it could have escalated. Yeah, that, that bad path. You know, like, yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if deep, deep, deep down there somewhere he wasn't actually joking, but he yeah. and he was trying to break <laughs> Ray Liotta's character. In a sense. Yeah, I think um, 
again, we talked about this maybe when we did the uh, In Memoriam Emporium episode. We talked about all the all the actors who passed in 2022. Mm-hmm. And we talked about this scene when we talked about how Ray Liotta was stumped for an Oscar there. Mm-hmm. Um, it is, yes, Joe Pesci's scene, but Ray Liotta's reactions where he's kind of shifty-eyed and he's not totally sure. He's, he's been friends with this guy for life. Yeah. And he's not totally sure if he's kidding. He's... Uh, he's quite visibly taken aback and quite visibly scared because he knows what Tommy is capable of. Yep. Um, so his reaction, uh, Tommy's uh, <laughs> insane monologue. No, tell me, how am I funny? What, am I a clown? Dude, <laughs> I amuse you? Is that what this is? <laughs> like, in, very funny. Like, it is a funny scene, but also, uh, like, waiting on bated breath. And it's so funny that this scene has become so famous when it's pretty much inconsequential. It's purely a character moment yeah. it's purely it, a character it's moment basically it, just showing that this character is the king of busting balls yeah throughout the whole movie definitely and uh and capable of some truly evil stuff so yeah yes. there's there's many i'll let you guys jump in but it, there's a reason it's one of the most it, well it's the most famous scene of this movie yep for sure 100 percent. Wes. yeah well yeah like you said his line delivery is just perfect and I don't think there's really a better word that you can use to describe his character than hot-headedness. Yep. Yeah, he's sure. just straight up a hot-headed character that you don't know how he's going to react. You don't know how his character is going to take a certain scene. He can just direct it completely the opposite way. Um, and I, like I said, I feel like this could have gone so many ways depending on how Ray Liotta's character reacted. Um, and I also just love... like directly after this he i can't remember if it's a server or like some patrons of the barn of the bar no, it's the bar owner comes over the bar owner yeah. and he like throws the stool at him yep and you can tell that he had that pent-up anger in him and he just needed to release it somehow but realized that he can't really release it on ray Liotta's character because he, he'll know how to handle him so i think that he takes that moment to release it on the owner and then the guy in like the yeah the, ser- the server yeah, saying what the fuck yeah. are you looking at kind of yep. thing. So. We do kind of find out as the movie progresses that Tommy uh, does have a knack for the spotlight as well. Like he, He's constantly telling stories and he's constantly wanting to be the center of attention and wanting to get a laugh out of people. So I think he also just kind of takes this opportunity to make a scene. He realizes that he's yeah. the center of the ten- center of attention. Mm-hmm. He's like, all right, I'm going to fuck with these people around me and, and try to get a laugh. I, th- I think that's also something that's going on here. By the way, I also just forgot to mention Ray Liotta's fucking laugh in this scene oh, is unhinged as hell yeah. and i yeah. love it <laughs> i just love his laugh throughout the whole movie yeah. it's, it's perfect same um yeah this was my one of my picks obviously as mm-hmm. well uh i love the scene uh as always when i'm watching the movie for the podcast i'm trying to find things or critique things um sadly i don't get to watch i'm trying not to watch the movie for enjoyment I'm trying to find stuff to talk about and it was actually the first time I noticed this, and he does it a couple other times. But as the tension starts to build, Scorsese drops all the sound. There's no background noise. Oh. There's no music. There's nothing. It's That's why it feels so awkward. Mm-hmm. Like, you see dozens of people in the background, and you hear them all when the scene starts. And as the tension starts to build, he drops all the sound, so it's yeah. just Tommy, and it's just and, it's just Henry. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, you can and hear a pin you, drop in that scene. It, it's obviously a sound design choice, but yep. do you think it's also meant to signify that everyone in the bar is staring at them yep. and looking at the scene? Yep. Like, they've all just shut up. Yeah. Well, yep. at this point in the film, um, it's also established that 
people in this town know who these two are. Like, mm. these two are kind of pseudo-celebrities in a way. Um, so, yeah, I think the fact that the two of them might be getting into an argument would be, uh, it would be notable. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, um, yeah that's, that's all I want to talk about. Joe Pesci is absolutely incredible. The four-year consideration, this is the clip they showed at the Oscars. Yeah, I bet. Um, and again, I agree 100%. We'll get it into performance review. Uh, Ray Liotta is completely, throughout this film, completely underrated. And I think it's because he's working with such mm. incredible actors. We kind of took him for granted. And now looking back, I think this is an overlooked right. performance mm-hmm. from Ray Liotta. I think he's absolutely wonderful yeah. in the entire film. Yeah, um, I just want to say briefly, it is kind of also famous for um, being an improvised scene in a way. I think that's kind of falsely reported as it isn't. It's true. It's true. So, but in what way is it improvised? It's improvised in that Marty Scorsese, Joe Pesci, and Ray Liotta knew what they were doing. Nobody else did. Oh, okay. Okay. So every other, like all the extras reactions, all the extras and all of the other actors, Mm -hmm. the only, the only two people were Pesci and Leota. They knew that they were going to do this. And so when you watch it again, which is one of the things I got to do this time is looking at the other Mm -hmm. gangsters and you can see they're, they're kind of shifting as you would in real life because it's starting to get awkward. And they're like, they know they haven't heard cut from Scorsese. So they got to stay in character, but they don't know what to do. And it's getting awkward and it plays perfectly right that's amazing so is it improvised yes it's also kind of a surprise scene to kind of throw some tension into the scene and the people the other actors in there because i know that improvisation played a role in the actual writing of the script like when they were running a few of these scenes in pre-production uh scorsese was taking notes on like, he was taking transcriptions of those conversations and sort of recreating them so i wasn't sure if this was maybe falsely reported as improvised when it maybe was born of improvisation earlier but then added mm-hmm. into the script I, I don't really know how that yep. worked but, to- yeah. I, I get that yeah. yep okay uh wes uh, oh yes sir. well i also just wanted to mention one thing right before this is it also the same scene where they introduce all the mobsters for the yes. time, first, first time okay i just wanted to bring that up, and it happens a few times throughout the the movie. But just like all the long shots in all of the bars when they introduce people, the camera movement throughout this. Back when oneers were so oneers, you know. <laughs> yeah. Back when single when long takes were actually long takes, you yes. know. And also, I'm also going to bring this up more in the uh, when we talk about the te- technical elements of the film. But you guys know that I'm, or I think you know at least that I'm a big fan of looking out for color coding. And what the color is trying to oh, say sure, yeah. throughout the movie. And Lots of red in here. The use of red in this movie <laughs> is so perfect. And in this, it's all... Um, I can't remember what the proper term for it is, but it's all uh, like lighting that actually comes from the set because all the reds come from the Oh, house. yeah. And and throughout that scene when they're introducing the Do monster. you also Di- use... Diegetic lighting. Yeah. Diagetic. <laughs> I don't know if that's, all, if that's also it, but it might, be. It might is, be. I doubt that's right. I'm no, not diegetic's used for sound. Yeah. Right. yeah, yeah. Uh, for lighting, it's something else. But yeah. yeah, whatever the the sound synonym is of that. Yeah, I know exactly. What you're... Pardon? But I know exactly what you're talking about. Is it like I've heard practical lighting used? Practical lighting, but no, there's specific like a term used for yeah, like they're, like, they're like lit by sign yeah, they're lit like... by candles in this yeah, in this scene. Exactly. Yeah, but I just can't think of the word anyway. <laughs> Fuck, yeah, it's gonna bother I me. I know, I know exactly what you're talking about. But awesome. Yeah. Okay, that's the bamboo lounge. All right, your pick, Wes. Okay, well, I. Uh, 
am going to bring us back yep. a little bit. Not quite the opening scene, because I feel like we could tie that more to a scene that happens in the middle. Yep, yep. Uh, but I just wanted to talk about Henry's backstory with his family and uh, him getting his first job and getting involved with the mob. Obviously, this isn't a scene, but as we mentioned before, uh, we were having a, or at least I had a tough time just picking individual scenes. So the ones I picked are more so sequences than they are scenes. They're a collection of a couple scenes that make up yep. um, a big sequence. Um, but yeah, I chose his backstory because here we get to see how Henry was introduced to the mobster lifestyle, how his character, you just instantly get the sense of how he romanticizes it um, and how attached he is to that lifestyle. Um, in one line, he equates it equates being a gangster to being the president of the United States. Mm -hmm. And this just shows you exactly where his values lie. Or No, he says it's better than being president of the United States. He doesn't even equate it. Um, and there's a line in here, to be it, it meant being somebody. Uh, so kind of similar to other Scorsese works, I'm thinking more like Taxi Driver and Raging Bull. It just seems like when the characters don't have anything better to do, they resort to violence. Yep. And that is a huge crux of the character and the numerous characters in this movie, um, but especially Henry's. And we also get to see uh, him get some beatings from his father. So clearly Henry was exposed to violence from a very young age. Um, and the very next scene after the beating is when they beat up a mailman uh, with the mob. Um, so I believe a lot of the blame can be placed on his environment and the surroundings that he grew up in you know being surrounded by mobsters looking up to these guys as heroes and being surrounded by an abusive dad which probably desensitized him to violence that was surrounding him um and there's another quick scene uh during henry's story within like the opening opening 10 minutes uh when he's like smashing the car windows mm -hmm. and then uh takes the jug and pours all the oil in and lights it um, and the camera follows an awesome, like, 360 rule here that keeps the viewer situated the whole time. So, it like, the first time as he's smashing the windows, I don't think it cuts. I believe it just follows him around in a 360 pan around the cars. Mm -hmm. And then after that, as he gets the jug of oil and starts uh, pouring it in, every time he goes to a new car, it cuts. Mm -hmm. And it's... It's not quite the same, but it's a bit similar to how uh, Wes Anderson does his cinematography. He uses this 360 rule that always keeps the viewer situated. So mm -hmm. the camera will be pay uh, facing forward and then just a 90 degree turn and then 90 degree turn and then 90 degree turn and then 90 degree turn. And he does it again when he goes to pour the jugs in. And I don't know if you guys picked up on that, but I just I, I love when directors Scorsese and Wes Anderson are about as different filmmakers away, as i could possibly the, the come up with techniques, <laughs> that that camera technique specifically i just i i noticed mm -hmm. um he uses it in grand Budapest hotel quite a bit yeah um but yeah i just love when directors know how to keep the viewers situated in the location uh that we're in and i also love the fucking freeze frame as he's running away mm -hmm. um the explosion i must that is special effects right I, no that's editing that, that's editing the explosion Oh, the, the, explosion the explosion itself is special effects. Yeah. The freeze frame would freeze be, frame is would be e editing. But, uh, yeah, I'm assuming it would be practical, right? Oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah
blow that huge parking lot up. By the way, I'm not. Love. I'm sorry. I've kind of half been listening because I've been trying to find the terminology, the lighting terminology. You got I, it? I haven't been able to find anything other than practical lighting. Practical. Practi okay, I think that's, that's what it is. is. And then right. uh, if there's anything not practical, like if you're using supplementary lights, uh, motivated lighting. Motivated. Yeah. Okay. I think awesome. that's correct. All right. Film school with Sam. I love that. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> Save your money, Wes. <laughs> Get these lessons yeah. for free, goddammit. Um, I also really love the young castings of Tommy and Henry, especially young Tommy. They just captured uh, the most Joe Pesci-looking teenager of all time, I think. Yeah. Um, and, you know, finally, to finish it off... Uh, I really love the costume design when uh, Henry gets his new suit and tries to flex it to his mom. Mm -hmm. And honestly, the costume design throughout the whole movie, there's numerous um, of Henry Hill's suits that I just absolutely love. The first time we see him as an adult uh, with like the, the pan up, you see his full body in the black suit. And there's one with like this really nice blue striped shirt. I just think whoever's Henry, Henry Hill's costume designer in this movie did an amazing job. And there's a couple good ones on Karen and Janice too, but Henry's really stuck out to me. Nice. Yeah, yeah I've always been a fan of this of the, I guess the second sequence in Goodfellas because yeah. the opening is the car, but then yeah. this is the, I don't know the origin story of Henry Hill. Yeah. And I've always been a fan of this. I like the the voiceover lets us know exactly what Henry's thinking. We get him. They show quickly. And then you get introduced into the world the same way that Henry does. So you grow up with Henry in the film. Mm -hmm. uh, I think the casting of the young Henry is great. Um, they did have to give him blue contacts to match Ray Liotta's blue eyes. Oh, wow. uh, which, I, I don't know, I, I don't ever notice contacts. So, no. uh, But yeah, the, I think the kid was perfectly fine. Uh, the young Tommy is really good, for mm -hmm. sure. Um, I always loved... For some, and I don't know why. Uh, prior to me working there, I always loved that they accosted the mailman, uh, and they tried to they stuck his head in the oven. Uh, it made me, it, I don't know why it made me laugh, but it always makes me laugh. Yeah. Funny that uh, maybe it shouldn't be funny. Maybe it's a line they're not willing to cross. I'm not sure, but funny that it's the mailman who gets in trouble and not Henry's dad. Henry's dad mm -hmm. is beating him constantly and abusing him. Maybe maybe they just view that as a part of a part of growing up in in this style of family in this era but i've always i did find it a little bit funny that they go for the mailman because they view it as his fault for henry being beaten by his father mm -hmm. when it feels like they can just cut out the, the well, mailman does, <laughs> does henry's dad know that he's working with the mob completely yes uh, yes he does okay. yes i think so yeah, because the, the only his, his mom definitely figures yeah. it out. We definitely see his mom figuring it out. The only justification I would think is that they're still trying to hide it from the mob, and that's why they didn't fully go after him. Yeah, but that makes sense. Yeah. That makes sense. Um, yeah. Other than that, I don't have really much to add for the for the young Henry scenes. I, I just I'm just going off the top of my head. Is there uh, a more famous opening line in a film? Well, not really the opening line, but. Uh, as far back as I can remember, I always wanted to be a gangster. Like that is just such an attention-grabbing hook. That's mm -hmm. that's such a great way to start this film. And I might be—I'm not sure if I'm going too far back here. I think that's right when we see Henry as a as a young kid. Um, no, nope. it, it stops on his face. Yeah, that's in the back of the car. It—that's th the car scene, the yeah. murder scene. 
Yeah, but like it's at the end of that, right? Like we see the scene, and then he says, "As far back as I can remember, I always want to be a gangster." And then we cut that and line, then, and then rags to riches yeah, starts. Yeah, I always, uh, I've always considered that to be like part of that scene. I might, maybe I'm going too. It's far almost back, like the bridge, regardless. a little bit. Like it's what yeah. connects, connects the two scenes. Yeah, whatever. Yeah. I, I just, I just wanted to at least point out that like that line as a, I'm going to use air quotes as an opening line, even though it's not really is uh is just such a great hook and i've always i've always loved that because it just For tells sure. it gives you instant insight into into who this person is and where his priorities lie as i think yeah. Wes puts it um but yeah i don't know if i really have a lot more else to add i think i'd just be repeating what you guys said but um great casting of the kids um they do a great job of seeing uh, of showing us where henry hill comes from where where his priorities have always lied why he is why the family and capital F family, why the family is so important to him. And, uh, it'll kind of lay the groundwork, uh, to see just how far his loyalty will go to, to these people after all they've done for him. Mm -hmm. Nice. My turn, my turn, my turn. (laughs) I'm going to select what is probably either the second most famous thing in this movie, or, Arguably, could be the number one, and that's the Copacabana Wonder. Uh, everybody loves to reference this one take shot as they enter into the Copacabana. Uh, it is a very entertaining shot. It shows. It'll. <clears throat> pardon me. It allows us to remove ourselves from henry hill's perspective and go into karen's perspective um Mm. as we follow we get an idea we've already seen a lot of what henry hill's done with the mobs but we don't understand what he's been talking about about how they are almost rock stars and this gives us an idea on how revered they are in this neighborhood and in the places that they go so he's a vip but a VIP just walks up to the front door and they've let you right in. This is a flex. I go in the back way and I go walk through and I go anywhere I want. And then I walk out into the main lounge and they make a table for me. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That is a huge flex in the movie, in the movie making itself. This is Scorsese showing off and, uh, I don't know, you might know, um, you probably do as well, but you guys know the filmmaker Brian De Palma? Uh, yep. Yeah, I don't think I've watched any of his work, but yeah. Okay, so Brian De Palma and, and Martin Scorsese are good friends, also a little bit of rivals. There is a very famous uh, one in the movie The Untouchables, and Scorsese saw that, and he's like, okay, <laughs> I gotta beat that. I gotta, <laughs> I gotta beat my buddy. And this is the result of that. Um, I think it's just an incredibly great scene in both the aspect of what it shows, what it means to be a gangster, and the lives that they lead and the spoils of what they do. And then it's also a great technical achievement on film. My pick is the Copa Cabana. Sam? Sorry, I'm just looking at Brian De Palma's uh, filmography right now. The the big one that I know that I've seen is Scarface. Yep. Um, have not seen the initial uh, the uh, original Mission Impossible. Yeah, I don't. I think that's literally the only Brian De Palma movie I've seen. Probably. 
Yeah. He did the original Carrie. I've seen mm-hmm. I've seen the scene in the original Carrie. Yeah. Uh, I haven't seen Carrie. Um, a lot of people think his best film is Blowout um, and Body Heat. Blowout with John Travolta? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Blowout and Body Heat. Uh, I, I'm a big fan of The Untouchables. I love that movie. Uh, mm. I obviously, well, I shouldn't say obviously, but I do. I love the first Mission Impossible a lot. Um, and then, yeah, I think he did this a very enjoyable action thriller with Nicolas Cage called Snake Eyes. Um, but I don't remember it all that well, but I remember liking mm-hmm. it. It's right in the middle of like Cage's big run, like after he did. <clears throat> it's after the face-off rock con air trifecta that he did. Yeah. Shortly after that. Which is incredible. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, but De Palma's a, a, was a very gifted filmmaker. Yeah. Is he the, still around? De Palma? Yeah. It's been a while since he's done something. 2019's his last film. He is apparently still alive. Okay. Uh, don't know if he's actually still working. Yeah, might yeah. be retired. The last one I remember. He's eighty-two. His, he's pretty old. The last one I remember him doing. I think. Do you still have his filmography up? Uh, yep. Uh, did he do the movie The Black Dahlia? Yes, he did. Okay. Yeah. Is that about the murders? Yeah. Oh wow! I need to check that out. That's cool. Ah, it wasn't that good. Oh, yeah. Okay. Maybe I don't need to. <laughs> yeah. Um, anyway, as far as I, I know, we get a little off there talking about Brian De Palma, but um, as far as the Copacabana is concerned, uh, I love me a good oneer, and I love me like uh, I don't know. Maybe I'm not getting tired of them. That would be the wrong characterization of it. But every time I see one now, I like it a little bit less than the one before it. That's fair. Yeah, I think they're getting a little too easy. I I agree because. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's easier to do now. Oh, 100%. Than it was with, then. With, like, hidden cuts? Is that where you're Yeah, with about? hidden cuts, or... with CGI, right. uh, with... Uh... Well, like, cameras are smaller and lighter now, so do, yep. doing a one yeah. is easier. I'm not saying... Yeah. Uh, like, I do not want to take away from the skill and artistry that it takes to do yeah, it. The no. staging and the blocking yes. and all like, that. Yeah. yeah, I think what really, in a way, elevated the one and also killed the one is uh, Kingsman, uh, the church scene. People saw that scene, oh. and they like the, the church scene, the like the one famous scene from Kingsman. P- I think people saw that scene. They were like, "Oh, that's what can be done with this. That's what can be done with this technique and all this new technology. We've got to do that." And then I feel like I've seen that scene a hundred times yeah. since then. I could. Uh, be- I one hundred percent agree. Yeah, There's a yes. lot of them in John Wick. I believe I haven't seen any of those movies. But- I just finished the. F- yeah. three that are available yeah. Yeah. and a lot of those are good like um there was one in the latest guardians movie which is i think a yeah. blatant ripoff of the church scene which was also pretty good but i liked it is a little that bit. the one with the beastie boys needle yeah. drop yeah yeah. yeah 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 for sure a great scene uh but i think i liked it a little bit less than the church scene and i'm gonna like the next one a little bit less than that and i think we're i think we're going to reach a point of saturation yeah. with with these sorts of scenes so it's almost like it's straying more into action scenes yeah, than... yeah, definitely more into action scenes. You're not going to see a lot of these flashy, like this Copacabana scene. You're not going to yeah. see a lot of these anymore because they're just they're just too easy, I think. Yeah. God damn it! We saw a great one a couple years ago. Let Did me we? Look it up. Yep. Let me look it up. Okay, cool. Um, I also just want to at least say I don't say this to disparage movies like 1917 and Birdman, which rely very heavily on the oneer. Because um, yeah. those movies, I think, are exceptional from a cinematographer. 1917 would be classified as a tour. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Very cool. Um, yeah. 
<laughs> Basically it, a two-shot movie. If I'm not mistaken, this Copa Cabana scene, mm-hmm. is this the first narration that we get from Karen? Yes. It is. Ooh. Yes, I, I think I think that's correct. No. No? No, no, no. Because she, narr- she narrates... Um, because she she narrates the date, I th- their date, think the, the double date. It overlaps, right? Like I mean, isn't this? I think it's the same. Isn't this walking them walking into the date? No, no. The, he mistaken? goes on double date. This so is date number three, technically, date, even though oh, she gets right. set up on the second okay, one. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, the, so it's not her first time. Correct. She is narrating. She is narrating. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. That, as I mentioned in my spoiler-free discussion about things that I forgot about this movie, I had zero idea that Karen was one of the narrators. Oh, wow. I thought it was Ray Liotta's character the entire time. So when I heard her start to narrate, and like you said, it really brings, shifts you away from Henry Hill's perspective and into Karen's perspective. I've always kind of gotten the impression, maybe this is intentional, maybe it's not. I've kind of always gotten the impression this is them talking to prosecutors. Like this is this is oh. all stuff that they would dis, they would disclose as part of the witness protection program. What a great note. Because yeah. <clears throat> Lorraine Bracco and uh, Ray Liotta and their voiceovers doing it, mm-hmm. they were they had somebody in the room with them because they wanted it to be a conversation. They oh. wanted they wanted it to not be a narration. They wanted it to be a conversation like you're telling the story. Telling them a story. So yeah. when they were doing their voiceover for these scenes, they had someone in the room with them and they were just talking to them That's instead awesome. of just being in an empty awesome. soundstage. One yeah, quick thing that. before you go on, if you don't mind. Um, Pieces of a woman. That's the one. Yeah. Oh, great one. And not, again, not a flashy action scene. Uh, There is stuff that happens in it for sure. (laughs) Uh, But yeah, pieces of a woman. That's a great, that's a great get. Yeah. I I love that. Um, The most, God, I I don't want to just sit here and list off oneers because most of them are going to be Spielberg anyway, but, uh, (laughs) (laughs) um, but a non Spielberg, great one that we talked about on the podcast a long time ago. um, Atonement. Atonement is oh. one of the like, uh, it's like a so on the Dunkirk beach. Yeah, it's like a pretty good so-so movie. I think like as far as Oscar films go, it was like kind of mid. Um, I think same year as The Departed. I want to say no, wasn't that the same year as like Michael Clayton and There Will Be Blood? Yeah, it was like of those the worst, but still like very good. Two thousand seven. Yeah, Atonement. Yeah. Young Saoirse Ronan. Uh, yeah. but that one around the Dunkirk beach is like one of the great one take shots in yes. like all of cinema. It's phenomenal. Yeah. Awesome. Sorry to cut you off. <laughs> no, please. honestly, I I didn't have a lot to add about this uh, scene. Obviously, the one or the technical stuff you guys have already mentioned a lot of it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But the yeah the main part I wanted to bring up was just Karen's narration and how that totally threw me for a loop. <laughs> That's fair. Um, and personally, to me, and I guess we'll get more into this in the performance review, but re- performance review. But personally, I think she has the most like succinct and clear character arc mm-hmm. in the movie. Um, and I'm just going to say outright, personally, my favorite performance, my favorite character of the cool. movie. Is Karen? Sure. Yeah, definitely. Wow. I that's really, actually pretty shocking. But I really wow. loved her in this. That's, that's great. Lot. I mean, I've... Yeah, cause I... Yeah, maybe because I totally forgot about <laughs> the performance, so it was the one watching it this time that took me off guard the most. It is kind of but... like she's playing two different characters. I mm-hmm. mean, it's uh, it's pretty wild how far her character falls yeah, uh, exactly. into this world just from being a she, young, innocent she, Jewish girl. She basically goes from blissful ignorance not really know what knowing what's going on to willfully willfully uh like batting an eye and like she knows what's going on but isn't going to confront him to just fully being indulged into this lifestyle and yep. i just love seeing her take the crash with henry obviously 
Interesting. That's a wild take. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. The hot takes. It's yeah. what we but live for. We'll talk about more of it in the in the performance. Excellent. Sure. Sam, your pick. Uh, the next one I have chronologically, I believe, is uh, Dinner at Tommy's Mom's. Okay, awesome. uh, Okay, that's part of the Billy Bats yeah. whole yeah. story. I have Billy Bats. I have the, scene, I have the Billy Bats scene. Okay. I, I we could probably include that because I well, I didn't it, write that it, it and has it, to I would be included. I would love to cheat and and include that a little bit as well. So I, I also just have written down killing Billy scene, having dinner with Tommy's mom, and digging up the grave. Cool. And I guess you could op- include the opening scene in that, the yeah. very opening scene. Yep. If yep. you want to in- incorporate that a little bit. Um, yeah. I'm not gonna say that Billy Bats deserved it for making a joke. Not gonna say that he had it coming, like saying, "Why don't you go find some shoes to shine or whatever the fuck it is." That go he get says. your shine box. Yeah, you don't deserve to die for that. However, <laughs> he knows Tommy. I can't imagine that Tommy was a super well-adjusted kid who all of a sudden became like an asshole in adulthood. I have to imagine he's been a hothead for a long time and has been killing people for a long time. I think there's a line in there about uh, him doing hits from a young age, or maybe that's Jimmy. I'm not sure. It's Jimmy. It's Jimmy. Anyway. Um, but Tommy is a notably dangerous person in this world. Um, so he should fucking know better. Yeah, but Billy's a made man. So he's, yeah. un- he's untouchable. That's true. So he shouldn't have to worry. Yeah, that, that is true. He that, is a made man. That's, what's th- that's the difference. That's very true. Yeah, so he gets to be a little bit cocky and a little bit arrogant. Yes, because you cannot... You can't touch a made man right. without permission. And that's what ends up. That's why we're in spoilers. Uh, that's why Tommy dies. Yeah. It's the downfall yeah. at the end of the day. Um, so, yeah, this is very intense. And Tommy whispering to him, keep him here before he leaves. It's like that is a that is not a good thing. And, uh, again, I think one of the things that uh, filmmakers like Scorsese do so well is making sure you have the information you need so that you feel how they want you to feel. When he says, keep him here, it's supposed to fill you with a feeling of dread. So you don't get that if we haven't already seen Tommy killing this guy and we haven't already seen, or we don't already know that he's a made man. So those two snippets of information uh, are very important so that when he says, keep him here, we know what Tommy's going to do, and we know what kind of consequences it's going to have. Well, I actually didn't realize it was Billy. That's his name, right? Yeah. Billy, the guy that killed... I didn't realize that was him in the trunk in the beginning. I yeah. And yeah, it, I don't I, think it's necessarily important that we know that Pesci kills him, but I think right. it's important that we know he's capable of murder. That we know he's a killer. We know he's capable right. of murder, for sure. Saying. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then, of course, we get to uh, go to the mom's house. <laughs> and he's so sweet, of course. I think we all know at this point, but we'll shout it out. Uh, Martin Scorsese's real mother... Yeah. Uh, playing uh, Tommy's mom is so cute. And him just so politely asking to borrow a knife. And he's like, you know, the paw got stuck in the got stuck in the grave. What do you call it? The paw. The paw. The <laughs> hoof. The hoof. <laughs> With a mouth half full. It's just so it. casual little dinner yeah. conversation. Such a sweet that, Italian mother. That's also the thing that I love about Joe Pesci's performance is that he's so hot-headed, but at the same time, he's so nonchalant. Yeah, about things. He's like, kind of hey, trying. Mom, to... Take this knife. Like he take is funny. Like yeah. he's actually. I don't want to say likable because a lot of what he does that's funny is at somebody's expense. But he's definitely a funny dude, and he's yeah. he definitely has a little bit of Italian charm to him. For but sure. uh, yeah, he's also just a murdering psychopath, unfortunately. Um, so yeah, this whole segment of uh, the Billy murder and uh, disposal of the body, another obvious, I think, highlight of the film. Yeah. Go ahead, Wes. 
your thoughts on that scene or sequence, whatever the, 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 the yeah the three or four scenes all strung together. We're gonna we're all, if you we're have gonna lump, we're gonna lump it into it all of them together. Well, I I honestly think this scene could be just like the way that the scene is set up. It's just like a textbook example of how to perfectly set up a scene, just like with the exterior establishing shot and then the the pan over establishing the interior and then establishing your characters and just like all the set decorations with the balloons like you don't need dialogue to uh let you know where you are which i think is what a good set designer is there for um and yeah like you said it's just a perfect scene that shows off his uh hot-headedness but then his volatility yeah and then when he uh that's a great word gets to the mother's house you kind of see his i like to put it as like his nonchalant side um, I do wish this was a video podcast because that's sly wink, man. He gave me when he when he said volatile. I was not gonna lie, it was kind of sexy. That was, <laughs> that was great. I love it when I can throw out a nice word. You get impressed. Yeah, there was there was a finger guns in one direction that the people didn't see, and then and then a wink back. That was that was a great Smooth. little moment. <laughs> Sorry, Wes, keep going. All good. Um, and yeah, I also just love how the opening scene connects right back to this point, yep. and just proves how the opening scene is so consequential, mm-hmm. and. Um, I believe I was reading today Martin Scorsese said that he didn't want to open it right away with Henry Hill's backstory. He wanted to open it with something thrilling that will capture the audience right away yep. and to let them know that what they're in for instantly, which is a violent, glamorous thrill ride yep. for the whole movie, basically. Um, yeah, and I loved it. And the scene with uh, Tommy's mom, the actress Martin Scorsese's mom, I believe, is this the famous scene that's improvised? Yes. Yeah. Yes. So she didn't have any lines. She just, they just let They her just improvised the whole thing. The only thing yeah. that, uh, from my from my recollection or from what, from what I heard, is that they they had to get the knife. Yeah. And that uh, Marty told his mom that they were just there for dinner. Mm. Her, the actress did not know that they had just murdered somebody. Yeah. So oh. she did not know that there was a body in the trunk. <sighs> she so literally perfect. thought that the boys were just here yeah. for the scene to have dinner. So clearly, Scorsese is just a master of withholding information from yeah. his actors to get the proper reactions. Yep. Which I love. Mm-hmm. And um, sorry, I'm kind of all over the place here, it's but once again, we're not about that here. We we're always <laughs> yeah, we, <laughs> we're always straight yeah. shot to the point we're trying to make. But bringing it back to the opening scene and the grave digging scene. Uh, the grave digging scene is probably the best lit scene in the whole movie. I can think of another one as an example that I like, but this one's just so iconic. With in my head, we're just illuminated by the car headlights, right? Or uh, the opening scene is uh, okay, illuminated, and yep. uh, I guess in the digging grave scene, it probably is, but it's a lot more like powerful. Mm-hmm. I believe they probably had like a fog machine or like something like that to really make it stand out. But I just cannot keep enough praise on the use of reds in this like mm-hmm. especially sometimes uh i believe the first time you see jimmy act a um commit an act of violence he's wearing like a burgundy red suit mm. uh the first time karen i think when she like comes up to confront uh henry on standing him up for the day a red dress she's wearing a red dress so just like that show of aggression mm-hmm. i just love when you can i, I guess it's not as good when it's easy to read the color coding, but I like when it's when it's easy. I don't think I don't think that inherently makes it bad though. Like, I think it's I not... think uh, it's sort of training you in a way. Yeah. It's training you to see the color red 
and get and filled with a feel just like subconsciously yeah. get a little bit of a feeling of aggression yeah. it's the same they do the same thing in godfather i mean it's a mm-hmm. little more subtle but i don't think that makes it necessarily better or worse with no. the color the color yeah orange. that's the thing it's just in this one it's just so in your face you know exactly yeah. what they're doing yep. and and i love it um yeah that's about uh, all i had to say on that scene. um i really like this scene a lot um but what i love is not the scene that you want to go with is actually the scene preceding it i love the billy bats and tommy scene mm-hmm. in the bar uh they're back and forth. Um, Billy just getting out of prison and wanting to celebrate. Tommy coming in. You can see Billy calls him over, and Tommy's like, oh, this fucking guy. So you already, right there, his eye roll and his desire to not even go over and say hello lets you know Tommy doesn't like this guy. But he knows he's a made man, and so he's, he, he's you can see him on his arm. He's just like, he's like, fucking shut up. I just came here to hang out with my friends. Walks away. Tommy says, I wish I could remember exactly what it says, gets a little snippy, and that sets off the made man because he should be shown respect because he's made. I think he just walks away and says, don't go busting my balls, Billy. Yep, that's right. That's exactly right. And then he's like, he's, and then, so Billy's like, like, I haven't seen you in forever. I can, basically, he's just kind of saying, I can say whatever the fuck I want. And then it just starts to escalate. And then that's where it goes, you know. They we think it's calmed down, and then Billy, because he's made, he knows that he should be safe. And he tells him to go get his fucking shine box, <laughs> and Tommy fucking loses it. Walks out, tells Henry keep him fucking here, and then we come back, which they've done, and the best thing is, is Jimmy stands up for Tommy a little bit after Tommy leaves. Billy's like, you know, like, what the fuck is his problem? And, and Henry's trying to calm the situation. He's like, Tommy gets a little drunk. He gets a little off, off, off. And, and Billy says, you know, he, well, he's being a little fucking punk. Don't you, basically, paraphrasing, don't you agree, Jimmy? And Jimmy's like, well, you did insult him a little bit. I did insult him. Well, you insult him a little bit. So Jimmy's like, I'm kind of, I'm backing up my boy here. Yeah. You're kind of a prick. Yeah. And then, but at no point do we think that Jimmy is going to be complacent in this murder that's about to happen until it happens. Because the moment Tommy walks in, De Niro turns on a dime. He's like, we're killing this motherfucker. Mm-hmm. And they kick the shit out of him. Awesome. And there's, and you can see Henry's like, what the fuck? And then it goes, and then it goes from there to the scenes that we all like. So I, I really love the scene in the lounge. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the, the digging of the grave yeah. is beautifully lit. Uh, and I, in my recollection of as well, it is there is a fog machine. Is it? There is. Oh, is. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. I feel like there's some mist yeah. in the background that's illuminate. It really illuminates that red. Yeah. Um, and yeah. Uh, so I prefer the beginning of this sequence that we've been talking about. Right. Uh, not to diminish the other ones, but that's the part that I like a lot. What do you think happens if uh, these three? Uh, Henry, Jimmy, Tommy, what do you think happens if they go to Polly after this? If they say, like, listen, we fucked up, we killed a made man, we, like, we I, may have just set off a chain of events, like, what do we do? I, I have a question. Billy is a part of another family, right? Correct. He's not part of Polly's? Correct. Okay. Yeah. yeah. But, yeah, he's a made man in another still, family. Yeah. So, what do we think happens? Does Polly back up his boys and keep it zipped, or does he give it up? He gives up Tommy to... 
Yeah. I think is that what winds up happening? I think it's kind of ambiguous what winds up happening. I can't. How- I don't. I don't think they reveal how they found out that Tommy did it. I think everyone just kind of knows. Yeah. yeah. Because of that night, and then, they were the only what four people in that bar. Yeah. <laughs> um. So, from my research about that and stuff as well, the reason that Tommy was killed and Jimmy and Henry weren't is Jimmy and Henry made money for the family, where Tommy was just muscle. Yeah. So, like, he was in on some of the crimes that made the money, but he was never, like, a mastermind. Orchestrating. Yeah. yeah. Whereas, like, Jimmy and Henry orchestrated and planned a lot of money. So, so they were money makers. So that's, that's, he- that's what Henry Hill, the actual Henry Hill, not Ray Liotta, but the actual Henry Hill, thinks that that's the reason they were not killed is because they made money where mm-hmm. Tommy didn't. So he was basically the scapegoat for that, for that, for that murder. Yeah, that makes sense. And, it, and the way that it's portrayed it's Tommy's fault. I don't think they would necessarily know that. They may have assumed that Tommy the hothead got insulted and went off. They may or may not have assumed that, but I think at the end of the day, yeah, mon- money runs the world, you know? I, I think personally, and sorry to jump in there, Wes, I personally think that if they had went to Polly after the fact, after they'd already killed Bats and said, hey, this is what happened, I think the exact same outcome would have occurred. Just yeah. Tommy just qu- dying. And, just and, Tommy dying. And quicker. Yes. Yeah. Because yeah. I think, is it a matter of years that go by? Yes. Yeah. Which is insane that, like, that, like the memory of the mob is that long. Just mm. years can go by, but we're going to get our retribution. Yeah. yeah. In the initial freakout that Joe Pesci has um, at Billy, is Billy surrounded by a couple other people? Or is he Th- at least three. It, so, from what I can see, there's two guys and a girl. Yeah. I can kind of see how it wasn't that hard. Oh yeah, not together. that hard to surmise. There's three yeah. witnesses that saw him explode, and then what? Two hours later, three hours later, four. Hours, he, That's he true. So dead. from yeah. what I can, my recollection of the of the scene of just what they showed, who knows if there's people in the background, yeah. in that bar, true. but just at the bar true. itself or where the scene is shot, there's Billy. He's got two males and a female friend with him, mm-hmm. and then in the other group there is a bartender, and there's Jimmy and Henry and. Tommy brings in a girl. So there's uh, quite a few people that saw that initial thing. So, yeah. yeah. So then it actually begs the question of why did it take so long? <laughs> I think, who knows, maybe maybe the other family, maybe the other family came to Polly and Polly was protecting Tommy until Tommy became too much of a hindrance. Maybe. Who knows? We'll never know. Yeah. No. I guess not. On you, uh, Wes. On to me? Yep. Okay, sweet. Um, I'm going to go on to the playing card scene and killing, where, killing, killing spider? spider. Nice. Um, I can't remember how far apart he shoots him in the foot and then just kills him. I think there's a there's a shooting in the foot. I think there's some scene in between there, yeah. which I would not be yeah. able to recollect what it is. Yeah. And then I think if you one can, scene difference. If you wanted to consider these two scenes as the same scene, I don't think it would be. Okay. I'm not, not going to argue over that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, yeah, that's what I was going to go with. So, just like uh, the last scene and numerous scenes before, uh, we once again see how Joe Pesci is both the master of busting balls, but also the master of losing his temper. Yep. Can't really can't finger. really take it as well as he can dish it, can nope. he? <laughs> um, I've got friends like that. <laughs> and this is the scene where we get uh, mentions of the Oklahoma Kid, the Humphrey Bogart and Shane. Uh, movie. Sorry? And Shane. Shane? Yeah, the movie Shane is mentioned in this exact same Uh, scene. Okay, I didn't pick up on that. It's a very subtle reference. Yeah. Very subtle. Okay. Um, But this is 
just another tendency of Martin Scorsese to, you know, his plethora of knowledge of film history. He's always referencing I feel like the greats, the greats definitely do that. I mean, Tarantino yeah. can't go five seconds without naming somebody else's movie. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, like, yeah, like he, in his debut feature, uh, Who's That Knocking at My Door, which I watched, I think it was 68 or maybe early 70s, uh, and he picks up a girl at a bus bench by... Uh, um, Final guess on the year of Who's That Knocking at My Door? 68? 71. 67 I've got here. Oh. Huh. It was. Ooh. I know he made it as a student. But oh, basically in that movie, he picks up a girl at a park bench because he sees that she's reading a magazine. Uh, I think it's La Cahire de Cinema. It's a French magazine, mm. and those were basically the... Uh, the writers that like came up with the auteur theory uh for film right and right he like basically does like a john wayne like searcher's pickup line and it works and literally my just whole review for that movie is this is exactly how i imagine martin scorsese picking up women <laughs> <laughs> um and you know uh references to humphrey bogart um stylistically in his early works a lot of references to fellini he was just obsessed with italian neorealism and New York, New York, which I also watched with Liza Minnelli and Robert De Niro, um, which was the movie in, sandwiched in between Taxi Driver and Raging Bull, uh, was meant to be basically his homage to the classical style of MGM musicals. Um, some of the stuff in the sets and the musical pieces in that, um, referencing like Singing in the Rain, Meet Me in St. Louis. So just you, you can tell that his arsenal of film knowledge is fully on display including in this scene um and yeah tommy firing off his gun like i said once again shows off his hot-headedness um and i think he just takes busting balls a little bit to the extreme uh but i guess you could say the same when he kills billy um yeah i thought i had a lot more notes on this but i don't actually that's all so right is there anything that you guys want to add yeah 100 percent uh so I've always liked this scene as well. Um, when Tommy's asking, what's that movie with Humphrey Bogart where he plays a cowboy and they say the Oklahoma kid, the Shane reference is very subtle. You have mm -hmm. it, it helps if you have the subtitles on. Okay. Because it's Robert De Niro goes, Shane? And you can see Pesci almost break here. He's like, Shane, shut the – because th this is, again, an improvised scene. Yeah. So he almost breaks here. He's like, shut the fuck up, Shane. <laughs> you can see it. He goes – And then comes back in the scene. So I've always, I've always enjoyed that. I've only noticed it, I think, like, <laughs> like the last three or four times I've seen this movie. Mm. Um, but, yeah, him uh, shooting Spider in the foot – uh, and then being such a dick about it, and then tell, like telling Spider, you know, basically suck it up, princess. And then we have the break, and then we come back to Spider, um, who is obviously upset and rightfully upset, and then takes takes the chance, tries to tries to show off a little, tells Tommy to go fuck himself. Probably not the smart. I, that's something I would never think to do, knowing like obviously watching this movie, I wouldn't think of it, but even. I don't think I've ever told somebody I know that could physically harm me for real to go fuck themselves. Since uh, since they're playing poker in this scene, I'll, I'll use a bit of poker terminology here. It's what you call a high variance move. <laughs> it's a, it's a very uh, 
Okay, high reward. Maybe you gain the respect of some connected people. Maybe you get in a little bit more. A little bit high risk as well. And we, well, we see, uh, we see the risk, uh, manifest oh, itself, yeah. uh, in, uh, him, him getting absolutely lit the fuck up. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's always maybe, like, as, honestly and truly always made me feel bad for Spider. Because yeah. Like, you, you totally get why he's fed up. Like, he's being fucking humiliated. Yeah. And I, I love that I love that Spider did stand up for himself finally. Sadly, it cost him his life. Um, but I love this choice of scene. Mm-hmm. It's it's again just another another shining example of the monster that Tommy is, yeah. and just yet another scene which solidifies Joe Pesci's win for best supporting actor. Yeah. I love the uh, the attitude of the room when he tells him to go fuck himself. Like, the boys are laughing. Yeah. Like, De Niro loves it. Yeah. <laughs> Jimmy goes, you got balls, kid. I'll give you that. I, you got balls. He respects the shit out of him. Yeah. <laughs> the shitty part is, is that Jimmy, because Jimmy's also poking at Tommy about it. Yeah. Like, oh, you going to let him get away with that? Yeah. And I I don't think Jimmy thought that Tommy was going to take it to that level. Yeah. Not at all. But he had, like, he should have expected something. Yeah. And it's unfortunate that it cost Spider's life. Because if you look at Joe Pesci's face when everyone else is reacting, he's just deadpan yeah. the entire time. Almost yeah. like, I don't know if he's staring at uh, Spider. If he's no, I think he's kind of, I think he's just kind of, st- I, I don't think he's staring down. I think he's just kind of staring forward. Yeah. Where my interpretation of what he's going through is he's going through his mind. Like, I think his immediate reaction is like, I'm going to, I'm going to shoot this kid. <laughs> and then he's like, oh, in my mind, he's having this internal struggle. Not over, he's like, do I really want to shoot this kid? I think I do. Yeah, fuck this. Like, I, I'm, I'm being disrespected by some fucking punk kid, and all these guys are going to bust my balls over it? Yeah, this can't stand. Yeah. And that, that's my interpretation of Pesci in this scene uh, mm-hmm. until he pulls out his gun and blows him away. Yeah, I, I love De Niro's performance in the scene, both when he laughs and, uh, and sort of is very congratulatory of Spider- and afterwards, when he's like, "Why the fuck did you shoot him?" Like, what? When he's uh, like flabbergasted, he does seem very surprised. He does seem very surprised. Jimmy does. Yeah, Jimmy. Yeah, seems, yeah. Jimmy seems very surprised that it went to this level. You're absolutely right. Yeah. Um, and yeah, that, he totally plays that very well. And he's definitely, uh, even though he's portrayed as somebody who roots roots for the bad guy, as Henry calls him, uh, he knows that this is way out of line. Yeah. This yeah. is way out. It's a completely um oh, there's a word for this it's uh it's not proportional it's not yep. a pro- not a proportional response yep yeah so awesome yeah anything else to add no nope. good so. okay uh my turn i'm gonna pick the scene where henry wakes up with karen pointing a gun <laughs> at his face Fuck yeah. um karen has had enough of henry's lifestyle and we get a really great POV shot from Henry's perspective of Karen and the gun pointing right at the camera. Uh, Lorraine Bracco giving an incredibly great performance here as well. Uh, absolutely. She's at her wits end. She n- now fully understands that Henry is not the husband that she was hoping for that he is having a affair and it's a little too out in the open and he is just not what she was hoping he would be on the flip side i love 
that Ray Liotta as Henry, he has a gun inches from his face, and he knows that he has to play this perfectly or he could die. And so he remains so calm, keeps his voice at a nice even level, tries to talk his way out of it, and the moment he sees an opening, he takes it. What I also love, who knows if this is true in real life, but in the movie, despite everything that Henry does, we know that he loves Karen. And like he does he is obvious well, obviously. He's a little rough with her in the scene, but she did just have a gun to his face. Yeah. So yeah. I think his, they're rough with I, each other. Yeah. This I would call a proportional response. <laughs> I mean, there's a lot, there's a lot that he does that is totally not deserved from Karen's perspective. Yep. Like there's mm-hmm. the list is basically endless. This is not one of those things, in my opinion. Yeah. So you put a gun in my face, I'm gonna do everything in my power to not die. Um, but I, I just really enjoyed this interaction between them, uh, and I think it's a really great performance from both actors. Yep. I think Lorraine Bracco is really good, and yep. again, Ray Liotta, as always in this movie, is supremely underrated yep um yeah i didn't have this one it was kind of like a last minute cut but you're right the uh, one of the things i i didn't realize my first watch of goodfellas is just how diverse like how many how many uh how many different shots that scorsese has in his bag of tricks like it really just feels like i I know it's designed to feel like one long trailer uh, as we said earlier but he uses such a variety of shots to get the perspective that he wants and to get the mood that he wants. This is another one where it's just like he keeps pulling out these different techniques and the POV is one of them where he immediately puts you in Henry's perspective, pulls all the sound, like you said earlier, and uh, really puts us into that perspective. Uh, I think the reason I... I don't even know if there really is a reason I cut this one. I think it just... There were just so many great scenes in yeah. the film that it, it kind of fell down the list, unfortunately. Um, but yeah, this definitely uh, is another example of Scorsese just knowing exactly how to get the audience to feel exactly what he wants them to feel. Sure. And here he wants you to be in Henry Hill's perspective and to feel that fear. Like, even though he's our main character, we're pretty sure that as the narrator, he's not going to die yet. He wants us to feel that suspense of just like, oh shit, something is happening not to the main character, but to us in this yeah. perspective and that's i think the point of the the pov shot so yeah i think a great pick it didn't wind up making it on my list but it was uh, definitely close yeah same here uh it didn't make my list but i did have a couple notes uh jotted down on it mostly the technical stuff the editing the shots used um i also i really love the editing in this scene even just like the the easy back and forth uh with the pov which is a classic um but then it I think there's only two other shots that are used. It moves to a shot of them on the side of the bed. Yep. And then finally uh, moves to, I guess it would be a wide shot. I'm really bad with my shot sizes. But, uh, All good. When You're probably like, the best of the three of us in this room. <laughs> when, when he uh, throws her. finally throws her off the bed. It's a, yeah, it's a wide shot. And it you shifts see... to a wide shot. Yep. Um, I just love the framing in that scene. Uh, how it shifts and he's now hovering above her and the camera it is like uh the camera is placed at a straight on angle i believe but it it does just give the sense of him completely towering over and that 
shift to show the entire room as they fall off the bed really frames that for the viewer and i once again me going back to my color coding uh in that specific shot her outfit matches with the carpet and the walls whereas his outfit matches with uh the bed sheets which is above you know the bed is above the carpet he's above her yeah. so i just love how oh, that's the cool. color is used <laughs> to frame the shot in such a good way that's very cool yeah. awesome Sam, you have to have the coordination of a lot of different departments for that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so that's concluding. On, that's the end of that one. Yep. Um, I have um, uh, next one that I have. I think is going to be Jimmy finding out that Tommy's been whacked. Okay, I've got Tommy gets made. Yeah, that... to- yeah, Tommy gets made and then whacked, and then Jimmy finds okay. out as well. Yeah, okay. fire away. Yeah, all that stuff. Um, first time seeing the movie, did not see this coming at all. I thought Tommy was getting made. I thought he was being celebrated. Uh, really unfortunate really 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 unfortunate is it yeah (laughs) but this is kind of this is kind of the beginning of the end i think and one of the things i love about this scene is that tommy figures it out right at the end like he doesn't even turn around he just walks into the empty room and goes ah i think he's about to say oh fuck i think um and they just put one right through his head He, he figures it out right at the right at the last moment but of course it's already too late at that point um I, again, what I really love is De Niro's performance in this scene. Uh, him getting the call about his friend being killed. Uh, it It's devastating. It's one psychopath reacting to another psychopath being killed. And he's devastated. He's And he's crying. And uh, him and Henry have to comfort each other in this moment. And the narration by Ray Liotta, him just saying, at the end of the day, um, Billy was a made man. Tommy wasn't. So we just had to take it. Yep. And he's so matter of fact about it. And the two of them are in so much emotional pain. And the narration just says, we just, we just had to take it. That's just how it was. And that fucking sucks for them. And again, I should not be feeling sympathy for any of these people. They're all terrible, terrible, terrible people. But, uh, man, this actually hurt me. This, this hurt me. (laughs) Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I didn't have it jotted down on my list, but I personally would say that this is De Niro's best scene in yeah. the movie. Personally. Whoa! Okay. Um, I love, yeah, I love his reaction. I love oh. him breaking down. Um, <laughs> some amazing emotions on display. Um, and I guess it's prob- it's definitely one of the more showier scenes of his. Mm-hmm. It's hard to not uh, save this for the performance review, but it just, it, it seems that... Uh, at least in com- in comparison to Ray Liotta's character, Joe Pesci's character, and uh, Karen, Karen. Well, what's the actress's name again? Lorraine Bracco. Yeah, compared to those three characters, it does seem like Jimmy uh, takes a set a step back a little bit in just how crazy he acts, his manicness. Maybe it's because he's a decent amount older than them, so it could be a a thing of maturity. But it just seems that. In terms of subtlety, I would probably say that De Niro's is the most subtle performance compared to the other three, and this is the scene where I thought he was finally able to let that emotion loose and really, you know, show off the chops that, I mean, it's Robert fucking De Niro. We know what chops (laughs) he has, but uh, yeah, I thought this scene really displayed it well. I'm going to disagree wholeheartedly. Yeah? I actually think this is De Niro's worst performance in this movie. Oh, wow. Really? In this okay. scene. Yeah. Whoa. At a point. He is fantastic in his anger. He cannot cry. 
His crying oh. is cheesy for me. Mm-hmm. It his weeping. I never, I've never believed it. I think, as De Niro is easily one of the greatest actors to ever appear on screen. Yep. He can't cry for me. When huh. he, when in most movies, that he almost did? every movie I think oh, of wow. where he's had to weep. Like if he wants to have a single tear or cry, fine. But when he has to weep, comes across as. In all, in all, in all honesty, as good a job as I could do. <laughs> That's what it comes. I honestly didn't pick up on that. I really didn't. Yeah, yeah. and I'm I'm so happy for you guys, but for me, it is completely bothersome. It is completely unbelievable for me when he does that. <laughs> I'm like, no, yeah. I don't. I'm not buying it. But everything else, like his anger, like when he starts smashing the phone and gets angry and he knocks over the phone, all of that. I love it. I love that he lets out that rage. But the moment he starts to weep, loses yeah. me. Hmm. Completely loses me. Um, I do love the scene. I love that they have – I'm pretty sure Layla's playing over top of this. I think so, yeah. Um, so Layla's uplifting, and it gives you the sense of accomplishment. And we – I agree. The first time you watch this, Tommy's getting made, and Jimmy and Henry are at the diner. They're basically celebrating. He Henry says – Tommy and Jimmy have this whole code worked out from when it happens. It's going to be great. You're building up. It's supposed to be this, this monumentous occasion for these very evil men. But we're cheering for them because they're the protagonists of this movie. And then when it happens, you're just left like, what? And yeah, Henry states it matter-of-factly. Billy Bass was a made man. Tommy wasn't. Yeah. We just had to accept it and move on with our lives. And it's, it is it is devastating. I agree. Uh, I love the scene. This was... Uh, this was my last. This was the last scene I had. So yeah. I think I, it's I, the it's the down. back half of Layla that's playing, not the super fun guitar riff, Eric Clapton stuff, but the the piano yep. uh, piano ballad stuff. Yep. Yeah. Awesome. Wes. Nice. All right. Uh, this is also the last scene that I have on my list. Okay. Um, I'm gonna call it Henry's busy day. <laughs> <laughs> that's great, actually. Fuck, or, I can't believe I don't have this, actually. There's so many goddamn yeah. good scenes in this movie. Um, or, I guess, you know, hiding from the helicopter, the police raid of the house, just the sequence. Yeah, this was my last cut. The don't yeah. do drugs scene. Yes. <laughs> um, yeah, I I love this uh, part of the movie. I really love the shift in the screenplay. Mm-hmm. Like, for the whole movie, it's basically been a decade-spanning story, and then all of a sudden it just shifts to this... I guess 24 hour period, 12 hour period. Yeah. Um, and I really love that. Um, a lot of the elements of the screenplay completely threw me off. I think I, I want to go back and watch this again and just focus more on the beats of the screenplay. And I know Martin Scorsese has said that it was, they had to go back and basically rewrite the whole thing, do the improvisation and stuff. But with m- more analysis of it, I just, uh, I, I don't know. I walked away with uh, the feeling that the screenplay was a bit all over the place, but mm-hmm. I guess it's probably intentionally mm-hmm. made to feel that way. I uh, think with the improvisation, it's gonna it's gonna feel yeah, that way, regardless. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, ju- I I really the next time I w- I watch this, I'm gonna keep a real keen eye on like how the story unfolds. Yep. How it's written and all of that. Um, but yeah, I I love this. For me. Um, you guys keep saying about how you think Ray Liotta's performance is super underrated. And I thought he was good up until this point, but this is for me where he absolutely just ramps it up to 10. And I fell in love with his performance uh, due to 
this whole sequence. Just yep. him being coked up on edge the entire time. I wanted to like ask you guys, him bugging out and like his paranoia throughout this whole sequence. It seems to be a mix of the massive amounts of cocaine that he's taking, but also the fact that like the criminal like lifestyle is starting to come un- undone a little bit. And yeah. I feel like uh, the mix of that like inevitably would lead somebody to lose their mind seeing your life crumble and also being hooked on drugs. So do you guys think the paranoia like stems from the drugs or the deterioration or like a mix of both? Anything you wanted to add about that? A mix of both, It's definitely sure. both. Yeah. Um, I think a big theme of a lot of Scorsese's movies, including Goodfellas, is uh, the glamour of the criminal lifestyle and how it's kind of a lie about yeah. how, if you, if you think of Wolf of Wall Street and Goodfellas, um, both uh, Jordan Belfort and Henry Hill, both, uh, they, they live in excess. They get all the drugs, all the women that they want, all the money that they want. And uh, it's it's not even really portrayed as empty. A lot of other filmmakers will portray like, and they were still unhappy. No, that's the lifestyle that they want, but, uh, but it's just unsustainable. It's completely unsustainable. And I think this is, I've always viewed this as a byproduct of the lifestyle. And then of course the, uh, the (laughs) copious amounts of Coke he's on (laughs) is just, it's just kind of the cherry on top. But yeah, this, his very bad day and or very busy day, however (laughs) we're calling this, uh, I think is a is a culmination of twenty years of getting away with shit. Yeah, and, and uh, he's realizing now that it's all unraveling. Yeah, yeah, that's how I, I've always kind of viewed this. And then yeah, he's Same on a ton man. of blow. <laughs> yeah, I, I think for, for sure. me it's always been a combination. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I also really love the scene when uh, Ray Liotta finds out that Karen has flushed the coke down the toilet. Karen. <laughs> Karen. Um, I know I'm 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 picking like all of the showier scenes, uh, but this was probably they're, they're my favorite. Showy for, they're showy for a reason. Yeah, th- this was my uh, favorite Ray Liotta scene for sure. Was him reacting to her and breaking down in the corner and realizing how fucked he is in this yep. situation. Um, yeah, I just thought it was a beautiful performance. Like I said, this was the part of the movie because the explosiveness just stands out so much. But this was the part of the movie where. Ray Liotta's character and his performance really stood out to me as amazing. Awesome. Yeah, I love this whole scene sequence as well. The uh, very busy day. Uh, the narration really helps amp it up. The incredible editing really helps mm-hmm. end it up as it keeps cutting every so often to let you know that you're basically almost inside his mind as it's racing, trying to juggle everything it's trying to juggle. And... Uh, yeah, his frantic pacing. I, he's so sweaty. He's yeah. so sweaty. Shout out to the makeup artist for yeah. making him True. look absolutely fucking yeah. strung out. Yeah. Uh, Maybe he just was. Yeah. No, I'm <laughs> uh, there actually is a reason. There, I don't know where in the filming it was, but uh, I haven't known on it. His mom died during filming. Oh, oh shit. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. Wow. So he said he used that. Uh, the one scene that he used the anger he felt over her loss was when he went and pistol whipped that guy. Nice. Oh fuck! Uh, that was also on my short list. Yeah, I love that. And what color suit was he wearing? <laughs> Red. <laughs> um. By the way, speaking of actors actually being coked up, I don't know if that was the case on this film. I assume it probably was not, although it was 1990. So who the fuck knows? Um. Pacino, I think, re- recently did an interview where he basically said on Scarface, a lot of those oh, yeah. scenes, he's 
He's I'm, at, <laughs> he's fucking rolling on something. I'm pumped for you to watch Taxi Driver because yeah. spoiler alert, there is a it's not really a cameo, it's a scene with uh Martin Scorsese. He's like yeah. in the movie and he has lines. I have heard and that. This was during the phase of Martin Scorsese's life. I must I think he was out of this by the time Goodfellas came around, but I know it's been reported on that Martin Scorsese did a copious amounts of coke. Nice. And drinking. He had a mix of the two. But it, it's especially apparent if you watch Taxi Driver. Right. That's, you can just tell. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Nice. I think he's admitted it. Oh, yeah. He's yeah. open, he's open yeah. about it. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. So, uh, anything to add, Sam? No. I, no? I think that's pretty much it. And I'm, I'm out of scenes All right. as well. All right. All right. So, Sam, your favorite scene. What am I, a clown? Do I amuse you? I don't think it's yeah, like bam- it was. It was never in doubt. It was bamboo lounge. That bamboo lounge, hundred percent. Wes, you go first. I forgot we had to pick one. Okay, <laughs> I'm the bamboo lounge. is It's an easy pick for me. It was the bamboo lounge going in. It's a bamboo lounge after rewatching it. Yeah, no, I I knew coming in that it was gonna be mine as well. Um, I've, I don't know if I had to choose a second place. Mine would be Billy Bats. Yeah, I was I was actually gonna go the same. Yeah, I was. Yeah, I was gonna say if I had to pick a scene. It would probably be the Bamboo Lounge. Uh, but if I had to pick a sequence, which I th- is what I'm going to pick, yep. I'm going to go with the Billy Bats, Mother's House Dinner, Driving the Car, Digging the Grave. That's reasonable. That's awesome. going to go for number one. Wicked. All right, performance review. Sam, lead us off. Uh, it might surprise you, but the first name I have listed is Ray Liotta, so I'm going to go with. Uh, nice. Is, I'm going to go with Ray Liotta. We've talked about yeah. him a fair amount. Uh, we've re- referenced him in previous episodes as well, but um, a great performance in a lot of different ways we have a lot of great reaction shots uh we have a lot of great uh moments of him being strung out at the very end we have the anger scenes him doing the pistol whipping and we have the scenes of him just generally being a terrible person but somebody who's in kind of control he has to he has to show a pretty wide range in in this film and uh yeah i i love every second of his performance i think this is criminally overlooked for uh for a nomination this year nice you have only seen one nominated performance in the best <laughs> actor category would you be willing to take him out to put ray Liotta in what is you'll, the one you'll have to remind me what the one is robert de niro in awakenings yes 100 percent. ray Liotta first excellent yep awesome love it not a second hesitation love that yeah what's your thoughts on ray Liotta? okay as soon as Okay, no, I'll start it this way. If this movie was made 20 years later, and there's only one right answer for this... It would be Wolf of Wall Street, but go on. <laughs> well, yeah, that's... That ba- yeah, you basically just answered who's getting cast in the Ray Liotta. It's Leo. It's Leo. Yeah. Like, as soon... I know you mentioned the Wolf of Wall Street comparisons, which I don't know which one I watched first. I, I don't remember, because these uh, films were both a big part of my childhood. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Shout out to Chris. All the, all the coke Chris. and hookers of, <laughs> yeah. of Wolf of Wall Street played hey. a big part in Wes's upbringing. Hey. I, I, I turned out all right. Yeah. <laughs> and I have a funny story about that. I'll tell you guys off air about okay. watching Wolf of Yeah, Wolf tell Wolf. us about your 11th yeah. birthday. <laughs> You're literally right. <laughs> Am I? Yeah, oh, that's great. Right. But, okay, I'll tell the story on air then. Okay. I was in grade six. I oh, no. was planning an all-nighter sleepover. Yeah. Uh, invited maybe like 20 of my boys over uh, in grade six. 
so 11 12 however old that is and my dad used to bring home these like uh flash sticks he would get a friend to download new movies and i remember it was like silver linings playbook life of pi uh wolf of wall street just movies from like 2012 2013 Mm -hmm. around that time uh and this would have been like midnight and for some reason i just thought it would be a fantastic idea to display uh martin scorsese's great work from 2013 (laughs) to all of my friends and uh let's just say i got in a hefty amount of trouble oh yeah dude Uh, there are some angry boys and looking at margot robbie yeah, that yeah. Was ba- no, that was basically the justification. We're like, you want to see some titties? And like, Hell yeah! <laughs> some titties. <laughs> All <Yeah>. the titties. <laughs> so yeah, that's wow. uh, the story behind that, which I think is hilarious. Yeah, there but- were... I, I had a I had a friend... I've told the story before, so you've probably heard it, but like, I had a friend growing up who uh, was a big Kevin Smith and Quentin Tarantino fan from, like, age eight. I, he, yeah. he, uh, so I would always go over to his house, and we'd always watch some horrible thing like i watched planet terror at his house like a robert rodriguez zombie movie with a stripper with a machine gun for a prosthetic leg rose mcgowan yeah Yeah, there you go uh yeah just tons of tons of shit like that i think i think it's good to have a friend there's always that one friend yeah the one i am that you were that friend friend. yeah and for you it was chards right (laughs) no 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 no. oh no you knew chards later Uh, well i knew chards early but we for one birthday at a very young age we got to see return of the living dead yeah and we were definitely too young to one. Well, no, we would have been 12, 12. Yeah. I didn't have the friend just when I was young, parents didn't care. Hmm. Like I watched the original nightmare on Elm street when it came out and I was eight. I watched wow. jaws when I was like seven. Yeah. Yeah. Is jaws really that gory. It's not gory. It's scary as fuck. Uh-oh. I still <laughs> as, a, as a seven year old. In cultural context, was, too. Like, there was nothing like it at the time. I was right. praying that you and I could watch Jaws together yeah. when you came One into day. town. One day. I, I want to say that's also one I saw as a kid, but I just don't really remember it. Oh, I just I watched it last young. week again. Yeah. Nice. I've That's been on my rewatch list for so long. I've maybe seen Jaws twice, three S- times. Spoiler alert for when we redo our top 20. That's climbing high. Awesome. Yeah. High. It's a, ascending slowly. Not even slowly. No, you could speed that up, Johnny Williams. Yeah. Anyways, yeah. Yeah, where did we go? Back to Ray Liotta. Right, okay. Basically, like, as soon as that first line is spoken, as far as I can remember, I always wanted to be a gangster. Just, I just instantly think of Leonardo DiCaprio. Interesting. I know we're supposed to be heaping praise onto the performance of Ray Liotta, but it's just... I can't get it out of my head when I watch this. If this movie was made in the future, the rest of the cast stays the same age. It would be Leo in that role. That's what That's I fair. like about this cast, man. I keep getting older. Very, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the same. Yes, um, they do. Yeah, I can see that. But for me, this is this is one of the performances I can't see anybody else in. Mm. I agree with your casting. I can't see Leo in this because I like Ray so much. Right. It's the same with other movies where. You know, we recast. It would be great to see this person in it. It sure would, but the person in it does such a great job. I can't see anybody like else in Daniel it. Daniel Day Lewis in Pulp Fiction. What would he be in Pulp Fiction? <laughs> what? No, that's a casting. What if? Casting. What if Daniel Day Lewis? Lo- I, I remember you mentioned that on that. He auditioned for uh, John Travolta's part. Did he really? Yeah. I Holy can't shit. imagine Dan Dan Lewis auditioning for anything and being turned down. 
Yeah. Or it might not have been. He turned. It could have been scheduled in could conflict. Be. I don't remember. I mean, it might have. It might well have been. You're right about that. Is John Travolta's film. Hmm. hmm. Yeah. Interesting. Anyways, I mean, uh, you've got to have an opinion. Sorry. <laughs> 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 uh, I lo- I love I love Ray Liotta. I think this is an underrated performance. Um, this is definitely going to be on my short list um, of the best actors from this year. I've seen two, um, De Niro and Awakenings, and I have seen Kevin Costner and Dances Wolves, but again, I haven't seen that movie in about 15 years. I could take De Niro out hmm. and put in Ray Liotta. I think De Niro's really good in Awakenings. He is. Um, but I could, I could happily replace... Him with Leota, I'd have no problem with that. Do you um, know if I've seen any of the movies? Uh, I would probably guess no. Jeremy Irons in uh, Reversal of Fortune. Nope. Uh, Costner and Dances, which you haven't seen. Nope. De Niro and Awakenings, haven't nope. seen. Okay. Uh, Gerard Depardieu in Cyrano de Bergerac. Nope. And Richard Harris in The Field. NASA. <laughs> yeah. None of them. Over five. The story behind Awakenings is what absolutely blew me away. I had no idea about what yeah, it was story. it's a true oh. story oh, okay, yeah. it's like a medical drama it's fucking oh, wow. crazy yeah. yeah so add it to my watch list uh there's like other movies i'd recommend first it's more just the the emotion i had while i was watching it was like holy shit i can't believe this actually happened right yeah i gotcha honestly no good performance his performance. great de niro performance yeah and not the performance you're expecting from robin williams no he's the co-lead he's mm-hmm. not he's not well, that's, he's not as obviously not as good as he is in Goodwill Hunting, mm-hmm. but he's. In all honesty, I think he's miscast. Yeah, hmm. he like Maybe. he's like it's not that he's bad. It's just that all the stuff that you'd expect, like oh good, Robin Williams is here, we're gonna have like a big comedic relief scene, like that never comes. He's a very shy doctor very, in over his right. head. Yeah, very soft. It's yeah, it's a. Hmm. I I I'd have to really sit down and think about who would be good in that role. I don't know. I just feel like it was kind of a waste. Yeah, yeah, maybe of his talent, like maybe. casted against his type. A Definitely bit. against yeah. his type. Like it is not a Robin Williams thing. Like he doesn't. And kudos to him for not slipping into something that we're used to seeing from him. Mm-hmm. Anyways. Anyway, yeah, maybe yeah. like you, I wouldn't say no. that Awakenings is like a must-watch or anything. Um, but the like, even if you just read what actually happened, yeah, that's why. Read it. Read yeah. It. Are you a, are you a book guy or? I'm an English literature major. So, well, there you yeah. go. Uh, <laughs> read the book that Awakenings is based off of. It's like okay. it's by the doctor who presided. Is it just called Awakenings. I think so. Yeah, yeah. I think it is. I'd okay, recommend cool. that over the movie. Okay, sweet. Yeah. And yeah, apparently, it's it's then. it's very well received. Um, like I'm, I haven't read it myself. Like the book is more well received than the movie. Is? I think they're both pretty well received. Um, but like, I, as far as I yeah. know, it's considered to be like a, a capital I important, uh, book in like the medical drama. Mm-hmm. Um. I don't even know what you would call the genre, but it's like a it's a real retelling of what happened at this hospital, uh, and it's it's very yeah. interesting. Yeah. Awakenings is seventy four, awesome. Metacritic three point eight on Letterboxd, so it is okay. well reviewed. I just there's so many other movies. Like, I'll be honest, you should watch Terminator, Terminator Two. Oh, dude, you should. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Well, I was more um, like referencing just the nineteen ninety year. Like, is that oh, yeah. one of the ones that should be on the top of the list for this year? No. Interesting. No. Dances with no. Wolves, Dances with Wolves number one. Goodfellas, you obviously. Should, you should put King of New York high King on your York. list. Okay. Yes. Okay. Yeah. It is It is a gangster film that if nice. this had not come out, would be famous. Mm. <laughs> yeah. 
Christopher Walken, a very I young think... Lawrence Fishburne. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I t- I've talked about it on the podcast. Yeah, I thought so. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, it's it's a movie Tarantino loves. Sweet. Yeah, I would. That should be high on your watch list. Okay, quick for yeah, this year. I'll check it out. Uh, all right, we're done with Leota. Yep. All right. Where you want to go? Uh, I'm gonna take it straight to Karen. Nice. My favorite performance I in this film. Stunned. And um, I'm so excited for this part. I. Well, I've honestly I've said a lot already of what I wanted to say in praise of her performance, but uh, I just think that she is so explosive in this scene, she, or in this scene in this movie. Um, I love her character arc. I love the way that it's written, going from, I say, ignorance to willful willful ignorance to just fully being fledged into the into the uh, life that is being a mobster or a mobster's wife, yep. I guess. Um, and I just love, I also love the way that, uh, it's hidden from her at first, like asking like, Oh, what do you do? Ah, I'm a, I'm a construction worker. I'm a union delegate. Just the, the way that she tries to hide it, but slowly the mask slips off. Yep. Um, and eventually she just gets thrown, uh, right into it. Um, but yeah, at some point I think she's just smart enough to clue in. Uh, and I just don't think she really cares. Like the scene when uh, he's cleaning out the car after the Billy murder. Yep. Uh, and he's and she's like, "What are you doing?" He's like, "I hit a skunk, Karen." And she just walks away. <laughs> the, like nothing happened. No as, questions asked. If she doesn't know that he's cleaning out blood. Um, there's also the scene uh, where her and her mother argue when Jimmy or not Jimmy Henry is late coming home. Yes. Uh, the sex scene between or the almost sex scene. I don't think they actually end up having sex in the scene uh, where her the narration starts. There's just a, a bunch of lines that I love in the narration and just a bunch of stuff that I don't think I was expecting uh, okay. from the female, the main female supporting role in this. Uh, and so that's why I think during this watch, it really stuck out to me. I love that. Um, I've always enjoyed Lorraine's performance in here. Um, she has a couple moments I love. Her... Her Oscar moment, the clip they show at the Oscars for her, is when she confronts him over standing him up. That's mm. her Oscar clip oh, okay. scene. Uh, I love that scene. I th- I think that's one of her best performances because she's so confident. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right? Because the scene preceding that is where she's stood up and she's sitting there crying. But then she realized she's like, I'm fucking better than this. Like, I deserve better. I know what I bring to the table. I'm fucking great. And she goes there and tells him that. I love that. I, de- I also think this is why... Henry falls in love with her. I agree 100%. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, I find Lorraine Bracco's voice a little irritating. It borders on screechy to me a little bit. Uh, so a lot of the times I have a hard time with the actress. Um, she did a movie either the year after this or two years after this with Sean Connery called Medicine Man. Uh, okay. And she's hard to take. Oh, boy. Mm-hmm. Um the movie's not good either way. Anyway, so that doesn't help. But uh, I this she is spectacular in this film and worthy of the nomination, not of a win. Um, I think I've seen everybody. Oh no, I haven't. Um, we've seen Whoopi Goldberg for Ghost, who won. We liked. Um, I've seen Annette Bening in The Grifters, um, which I love the performance. I also am going to be a complete disgusting pig and. 
also enjoy that there was a full nudity scene. Awesome. Uh, and this is when she was very young. She was, and still is, an incredibly beautiful woman. Cool. Um, I've seen Lorraine Brockle in Goodfellas. Mm-hmm. I have not seen Diane Laid in Wild, uh, Diane Ladd in Wild at Heart, and then Mary McDonald for Dances Wolves. I do know that performance. All of like this is a very strong year for supporting actress. Um, I like Lorraine Bracco. I still wouldn't pick her over Whoopi, um, personally. Yeah. yeah. Um, Fair enough. Yeah. Sam. I also just want to say, while I have it pulled up here, Wes, uh, the book Awakenings by Oliver Sacks on Goodreads, 4.11. Nice. So. I don't actually have a Goodreads account. That's surprising yeah. to me. You're an English lit major. I know. I'm an English lit major, <laughs> but uh, and then film studies minor, but I know that my passion really does lie in nice. film studies. I love so that. I'm, That's I'm on you're among, you're among friends, baby. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I could get yeah. it. I think Jordan probably just shuddered. I can, I can hear her <laughs> from a province away, but yeah. you're among friends. You're cool. Yeah. <laughs> um, sorry, we're on Lorraine Bl- uh, Bracco right now, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, I, I think I would pretty much echo what you guys said. I love uh, the scene of her uh, approaching Henry and standing up for herself for the first time. Really, the scenes where she wins me over, the scenes where she develops a backbone of Mm -hmm. some kind uh that scene and uh the pov shot from earlier of her um a little a little more silent rage i mean she's holding a gun so it's not easy not hard to see that she's uh enraged um but yeah those those two scenes are definite highlights for me for her another line that i love of hers it's it's partially in the delivery it's in the narration it's when um henry beats the pistol whips the guy and hands the gun to her and she says something to the effect of a lot of women would have ran the second that their boyfriend gave them a gun to hide. But I have to be honest, it turned me on. Yes. And it's the, it's the way That's that awesome. she says that it's just like she's saying it like it is an admission and like she is a little bit ashamed to say it. Yep. Like, I have to be honest, it turned me on. And uh, for some reason, the delivery of that is just really convincing. And mm-hmm. uh, even though most of the people in this film are despicable people, her included, uh, you kind of get it in that moment. You're like, oh, okay. Yeah, I, un- I understand where you're coming yeah. from yep. a little bit. Awesome. Then I'm going to go... You know what? I'm going to pick somebody we actually have not even talked about, and that's Paul Servino as Paul. Yeah, nice. the late Paul Servino. The late Paul Servino. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. He made, uh, he made my list last year. Yeah, and Amber. mine as well, I think. Yeah, yeah? yeah. both of us. Yeah. Um, he plays Polly, and I love how he they say it in the early scene in, in the flashback when when he's young um people think Polly moves slowly but he if something along like he moves as fast as he needs to because we're yeah. something like he doesn't need to go anywhere fast like yeah because people him. are gonna wait for him or yeah something like that something uh, like that whatever it is paul servino plays that perfectly through the whole movie he moves deliberately he speaks deliberately he has this almost overpowering menace to him without it being over the top or campy or even loud it's a very quiet menacing performance that i have always loved i absolutely think the world of paul servino in this movie and in a weaker year um well actually i disagree with some of these um but I think he's overshadowed. Obviously, he's overshadowed by Pesci, and he also has to deal with De Niro, who is a supporting character mm-hmm. uh, in this movie. So I think he got overlooked. Uh, I would have been 
perfectly fine with Servino getting a nomination um, this year. Uh, I could definitely kick out. Well, I could kick out one person, but I haven't rewatched that movie since I don't think I actually have seen Dick Tracy since 1990. So I'm really excited to revisit that movie because I think I'm going to hate it. With, <laughs> I think I'm going to hate it with every passion of my being, and I'm excited to hate it. Um, because I remember not liking it when I saw it in 1990, yeah. and I was a f- 14 or 15 year old kid watching a movie based off of a comic book. Oh, wow. So me not liking it was a shock. Uh, but yeah, I'm very excited to watch Warren Beatty and Madonna get it on <laughs> <laughs> in a very very PG way because it is a kids comic book. Anyways, I think Paul Servino and that the reference I'm telling you was Al Pacino gets nominated for his role in Dick Tracy. Um, uh. I think it's a, I think it's a pretty much over the top performance, so. But I'm excited. I'm very excited to rewatch Dick Tracy because I th- I think it's just going to be an atrocity. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, Paul Servino, my pick. I think he's really good. I would really have enjoyed seeing a nomination for him here. Yeah, uh, he really has this uh, King Lake quality. This uh, this regality. He has the, like he's definitely in command. Uh, I love the. Uh, I love the small character details that make him feel like a real person. The fact that he never has uh, meetings. He, like, he never has group meetings. Yes. It's all one-on-ones. Mm. Uh, anything. He doesn't want people overhearing him. He's, he's a little bit paranoid. Uh, doesn't have a phone in the house. And, of course, we, uh, Henry having a phone in the house later on turns out to be his undoing. Um, I, I love all of those aspects of him. There's a scene that I uh, was another last minute cut because there were so many good ones. Uh, the restaurant owner coming to Polly and asking him to go into business for him. Oh, yeah. I've always gotten the impression that Polly, maybe this is intentional, maybe I'm just reading into it. I've always gotten the impression that Polly is playing him. Polly wants in on the business. Right. He knows that it's good, good business. He knows that it can. He knows that he can make a lot of money from this restaurant. So. When he, his refusal and having Henry there to kind of, air quotes, talk him into it, I've always kind of viewed that as like a bit of a gambit, like a bit of a, a bit of a deception. Him going, what do you want? I don't, I don't know anything about the restaurant business. I don't know if I want anything. It's kind of a gambit to get this guy to beg and agree to terms. That's kind of always been how I've seen it. Because when he does inevitably agree, it's like, all right, just for you, you know. And it's, it's like a little bit too easy, uh, given how, um, how resistant he just was. Uh, mere seconds ago yep um and i think that comes across mostly in uh in sorvino's performance so i i love the pick i uh stated uh last year that this was one that i was really excited to revisit when we got to 1990 yeah i was definitely paying some attention to to this performance in particular he's really really good awesome yeah nice yeah uh honestly his performance for me a little bit kind of flew over the radar yeah Uh, i was mainly focused on the main four uh Pesci, Leota, De Niro, and I keep forgetting this actress's name. Lorraine Bracco. Bracco? Dude, it happens Bracco. all the time, Bracco. yeah. <laughs> all right. Um, yeah, I was mainly just, like, uh, dissecting their performances, so hopefully the next time I watch it, I'll, I'll have a keener eye. I like what you mentioned about um, the scene where he individually has to speak to all of the mobsters. He never wants to have a group meeting. Mm-hmm. Um, I love that. And he just also, yeah, he plays the the role of the mob boss he embodies it so well like it's uh like when you think of a mob boss you could think of paul savino 100 his, his look in this movie uh, yeah. which yeah. is what i got yeah excellent um, casting yeah uh, i didn't have too much to add but um i think it's a great performance and cool yeah he plays it really well awesome samuel 
I don't know how I got Joe Pesci in this. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I just hit the lottery at the draft. They're just like, I didn't think this guy was going to fall to me. <laughs> fell all the way to number four. Yeah, exactly. Wow. Joe Pesci as Tommy. I mean, the, the performance that most people know from this movie, the, mo- the one that most people reference, won the Oscar for it. Uh uh, how am I funny? You know, so many iconic moments from him. Um, a perfect hothead really put Pesci on the map in a big way. Um, one of the things that tickled me about the Irishman when I saw it is just everybody knows this is like the Joe Pesci performance. And Martin Scorsese makes a gangster movie with all these guys older, and he cast Pesci as a very meek, soft spoken person still with a lot of authority um but in a completely different way so pesci has the range pesci did get nominated for the irishman is that right yes everybody yes. everybody got nominated for the irishman <laughs> that was the year there was like uh i think oh he th- got that's right irishman got 10 nominations and no wins went over yeah. 10 yeah that's you know, right just like gangs of new york did and yeah. just like the fable Wah, wah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> as manny begins to sob like robert de niro <laughs> yeah that's uh, a spot on impression by the way it, it, very good um yeah this is not a performance i would say has range not that range is like the criterion to rate all performances based off he kind of does mostly one thing in this movie um and he does it exceptionally well he plays the hothead that you don't know how or when he's gonna fly off the handle um I guess he does kind of have two things. He has the charming Italian guy who's a bit of a dick, and then he has the other guy who's a serial killing murderer. Serial killing? The only kind of serial killer there is. <laughs> anyway, it doesn't matter. The, the psychopathic murderer uh, is the other side that he, uh, that he plays. So, uh, yeah, this put him on the map, rightfully so. I don't think I can really say a whole lot that hasn't been said by dozens of commentators, hundreds of commentators uh, over the years. Um, one of the great gangster movie performances ever yeah ever. nice for sure yeah uh i probably would push back on that a little bit in like talking about his range because this performance to me i just love his absolute balance i've used these words already before but between hot-headedness and nonchalantness mm-hmm. like i just love that he has the ability to like carry himself like he doesn't really give a fuck uh, at times, but then also has the ability to flip the he switch. He very right much away. gives a fuck. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, but yeah, there's just like certain scenes, like especially in the, the, the line delivery of like, hey, I'm gonna just borrow this knife. And like the way he's acting in front of his mother. And a couple scenes in the clubs um, where you don't see the hot-headedness of, as much. And instead you just see his, I guess you said like his charming Italian side. But to, to me, he, he plays it off very cool. And I, I love that about the performance as well. But then, of course, you have the rage, you have the hot-headedness, you have the, the temper, and that is easily the highlight of his performance. Yeah, I, I've always loved this performance. An incredible 1990 from Joe Pesci as he wins the Oscar for this and also stars in Home Alone. Yeah. Um, <laughs> MVP of this year? Yeah. 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 100%. Yeah. 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 MVP to me is someone who's who has multiple performances, multiple good performances in one year. So like Colin Farrell last year was the MVP of twenty twenty six. Spielberg ninety three. That too. Jurassic yes. Park Shimmer's yeah. list. Exactly. Yeah, see the, my, like I, my original pushback was just gonna be for Costner for right. for winning 
and then being nominated for for the acting performance as well. And but was he nominated directing? As well? He won. He won directing yeah. and one picture. One picture wow. directing nominated for um, the acting. New kid on the block. The cost. Yeah. <laughs> um, but no, I'm I'm gonna go with Pesci. Yeah. yeah, winning best supporting and then being in the highest grossing film of the year. Yeah, pretty Pesci, damn good year. Pesci, Pesci's MVP. Yeah. Um, I love him in this, and a lot of people will complain about Casino, where he plays basically the same character. Don't care. It's if a great character. If you're good, <laughs> if you're good at something, you, you're not going to hear me complain about Morgan Freeman giving a why a, a, a sage like regal performance. Mm. You can hit it out of the park. Fucking hit it out of the park. I'm happy with that. Yeah. Morgan Freeman could read the fucking phone book to me. Yeah, he <laughs> literally could, and I would be happy. He narrated a movie about fucking penguins, and we all went ape shit. Dude, I saw March of the Penguins in theaters <laughs> as a kid. Yeah. I absolutely did. Yeah, we, we fucking love him, and we love Joe Pesci in this, and that's one of the reasons that I loved him so much in The Irishman is how different that performance is. But this performance here, we have a guy that – Let's be real. Pesci's what five five, mm-hmm. maybe five six, and at no point do you ever doubt that this man is capable of kicking the absolute shit out of anybody he comes across. The the real Henry Hill has said that his performance is like ninety to ninety five percent authentic to the real thing for yep. the character who Tommy is based off of. Um, the only diff I. I think it, the real guy's name is actually the same. It's no, Tom. it's Tommy. It's to, it's it's a little it's, different. Yeah, but it's Tommy something. Tommy something. Um, the person who they based him off of. The only difference is the real guy is massive. Yeah, he's six two, oh, I think. Yeah, and oh, like wow. built. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah so, he's a mountain of a man. Yeah, he said that was like really the only inconsistency, but it doesn't come across. He plays him. He plays him like a little dog who doesn't know that he's little. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, I I absolutely love Pesci. Um, his win is deserved uh i've seen technically i've seen four of the performances from this year pesci for goodfellas andy garcia and the godfather part three i've seen i'm looking forward to revisiting it he is really good in it Mm -hmm. um and graham green and dances with wolves that's i'll be honest that's my heart pick one of your boys he is one of my boys and and he's one of my boys because he is one of my boys but <laughs> I, I do love Graham Green. we obviously love him in Wind River yeah um, but he's really good in this movie it's unfortunate that this is the year that this like the head to head because Pesci did deserve this win um, and then I have seen Al Pacino and Dick Tracy uh, but I haven't seen it since 1990 so like I said I'm very excited to rewatch that movie because I, I think it's going to be bad and then the one I haven't seen uh, and I'm, I don't think I'm going to be able to see it is Bruce Davison in Longtime Companion his longtime companion is not even available to rent or buy anywhere except for the actual disc. Yeesh. So I have to decide how committed I want to be. Maybe if I can find it for like under ten bucks, I might buy it. Hmm. Anyways, um, I, I, Pesci is deserved of this win. I, I think it's a, a spectacular performance. Um, that while he does basically repeat it in Casino, don't care because uh, he's absolutely phenomenal in that movie as well. Uh, your pick. All right. Well, I guess that leaves us with, or leaves me with, uh, Jimmy. Yep. Robert De Niro's character. Um, I know I'm about to get some pushback for this. Awesome. <laughs> but out of the four main cast members, I would say he's my least favorite. Mm. But that's also like saying, like, the worst Oscar Best Actor nominee. You know, yeah. <laughs> they're all fucking amazing. Oh. You think um, you're going to get pushback from us on that? I thought so. But... 
No. I Oh, yes, you will. Admittedly, uh, I I didn't connect with Lorraine Bracco's performance the same way yeah. you did. Same. Yeah. She would be that's my. Right. She would that's be what my, I thought. You guys. She would be yeah, my number four. But I mean, De Niro yeah. is like the other obvious pick. I think. Yeah. Yeah. But um, yeah, he's still amazing in this. He's still Robert De Niro. Um, it's it's awesome because I the last movie that I watched just before this was Raging Bull. Oh, nice. And if you mm. want to see Sam, if yeah, a performance where the roles are flipped and De Niro <laughs> plays the hothead and Joe Pesci, he's still a little bit of a hothead, but he takes the more reserved, like able to reel it back in character. And in this movie, it's completely flipped. So I, I really liked uh, seeing that, that dynamic between the two. Exactly 10 years apart. Exactly 10 years apart. Yeah. Raging yeah. Bulls in 1980. Yeah. And they basically, yeah, they play hot-headed men that don't know how to handle temptations of violence mm. um basically in both movies um but yeah in this one it's completely different like i said i love the the subtlety of the performance compared to the others i think it it probably comes with a level of maturity to the performance because the character is so much older yep. than the others by the end he almost uh feels like a father figure to ray Liotta's character yeah, like I especially get... in the diner scene and um in the scene when he's making Karen walk down the alley and uh, where, where he's probably going to kill her probably going to kill her uh, he just um, yeah he gives off kind of father fatherly figure yep. vibes and I I get that I guess shout out to the makeup artist probably for showing his progression of age throughout mm-hmm. the movie um, they do a really good job of that by the end of the movie um, yeah he's he's not really old but he's older um, than he was at the beginning I think and, what they do mostly sort of cut you off yeah. with, with that with the agent is really in the hair because yeah. at the beginning it's like jet black, right. and then as the movie goes along, they just start to add in a little bit of grays, gray. and then at mm. the end when he's basically gonna kill Karen, and then it's full on gray. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So yeah, I love that. Um, like I said, I think De Niro's best scene is the phone booth scene or reaction to Tommy's assassination. I know Manny doesn't agree with that. I but I, I think it's the best until he starts until to cry, starts and crying. then it's the worst, and then it's the worst. <laughs> yeah, um, and I also really love the character's introduction um so this isn't really in the performance it's more in the script and the narration but just some of the lines that they use to describe and introduce uh jimmy as a character like he'd give a hundred to the doorman just for opening the door or jimmy was the kind of guy who rooted for the bad guy in the movies uh it just like those lines just like paint him as a character so perfectly yep I love that. Yeah, the narration is so descriptive and uh but it, it's not it's not descriptive in like a visual sense. It's not like Jimmy is uh, five foot nine and has black hair until it's gray later on. It's it, it's stuff like that. Or it's like he's the kind of guy who yeah uh, yeah. I love that sort of description and it paints such a more interesting picture uh, if you're gonna characterize somebody like that. I think yeah. to uh, I, I love the the creativity in the in the writing there. Yeah, for sure, for sure, for sure. Yeah, I like De Niro's performance in here with the exception of one. I don't know, fifteen second spot. Mm-hmm. Uh, that, but Which like I said, you claim you could do better. I, no, I said <laughs> I could be as good, as good, as good, as good as he. And I did just shortly while ago. <laughs> you watch, you play back this, and then go back and watch that scene. You'd be like, fucking Manny nailed it. Your Oscar's <laughs> in the mail. Yeah, <laughs> uh, he didn't get an Oscar for it. Yeah, but he 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 has won an Oscar Is he though, right? Nominated for this? No, no. Okay. What did he win an Oscar for? Raging Bull. Yeah. He's got two. Oh, and Godfather Part Two. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Too. 
So De Niro hasn't won an Oscar since 1980? That's fucked up. I know, right? Yeah, yeah lots, of no- lots, lots of nominations. What is it, 76 is Godfather 2? Yes. Yeah, that sounds right. Hopefully he'll be nominated this next year. I'm hoping for it. What is the end coming up? Uh, Killers of the Flower Moon. Oh, the, the latest Christmas. Do we have I, a date I, for that yet? October, uh, I think. Yeah, <sighs> October. It's coming out in theaters, but then it's going to be moved quickly to Apple, Apple. TV. Yeah, Apple's, yeah. Um, Apple's releasing in theaters because I think the Academy put the kibosh on streamers again. Right. You got. You got. Oh, you got oh, to to put it. In you you got to put it in the because that was just a COVID rule. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Which make which made sense. Yep. But um, no, I'm super stoked for that because I believe it's the first Marty movie where he's usually using his two lead men together. Leo and Robert De Niro. I don't think they've starred in a Marty movie together before this. Not one that I so, am familiar with. Yeah, so I'm really oh, stoked to be, see that. I shouldn't be looking at this. I just like looked at the cast list and there's there's yeah. ah, there's there, was a, there was a trailer for it in front of Mission Impossible. Yeah. Did you close your eyes? No, I if I'm at the movie theater, I want to experience the movie theater. I was yeah. I did go through a, a, a very long phase where if I was at the theater and a trailer was playing for a movie that I wanted to see, I would cover my ears. And I would bow my head, and I would say loud enough to block out sound, but not loud enough to bother anybody around me. I'd just go blah, 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 blah. <laughs> but then I was like, I'm at the fucking movie theaters. Yeah. I'm like, if I'm going to see a trailer, why not see it the best way possible? Yeah. So I just accept it now. I've, I've kind of begun using the trailers portion as my use the bathroom before the movie time. That's, For sure. That's been my strategy so far. If I do happen to see a trailer or something I didn't want to, so be it. But... Yeah, because yeah. I dodged all, all Oppenheimer trailers That's until awesome. this weekend, until this week when I saw Mission Impossible. It, show, it shows a lot, for sure. So does the Dune Part 2 trailer. It shows way oh, too much. I haven't seen the trailers for Barbie, Oppenheimer, or Dune 2. I wouldn't so. watch I've, any of them, I've, especially Dune 2. I haven't seen any Dune 2 trailers. Yeah, I highly do not I've, recommend And them. I've seen no Barbie trailers and almost no production photos. Yeah. I I have seen I've seen some of the production photos. Yeah. Like I, I've seen uh, I've seen Ryan Gosling as Ken, and I've, I've seen... seen like six production photos. Maybe. Yeah. I'm yeah. very happy. Back to De Niro. Yes. Right. Uh, I do like the performance. I don't think it's one I would nominate, uh, especially in this year. Well, who knows? Maybe I'll take out Pacino. Um, <laughs> but I'm definitely not taking out Graham Greene, Andy Garcia, or Joe Pesci for De Niro. Uh, I would actually probably put in Paul Sorvino before I put in De Niro. Yeah. That's um, I like, I th- I think he's, I think he's really good in this. Um, very menacing, very manipulative, and uh, yeah, it's just a, a good performance. Sam? Yeah, those are those are definitely good words. Uh, I would definitely use those to describe him. I I was impressed by him. Uh, I like his uh, maybe to hone in on the father figure thing that you noticed, Wes. I would call him a mentor. Yeah. That's definitely that's what he. Word. I would definitely call him a mentor. One of the great moments in his role for me is him quite literally taking Henry under his wing after being in the courtroom. He says, "You learned a couple important lessons today. Number one, never rat on your friend. I can't remember what the two lessons are. Never you're rat on your friends. Yeah. And then I can't remember what the other one is. Uh, keep your mouth shut. Yeah, but those are like the same thing, right? I'm, oh, keep. Yeah, keep your. Uh, thing is, number one, keep your mouth shut. Number two, never rat on your yeah. friends. Yeah. And I, uh, I think that's a. Uh, a perfect encapsulation of everything that he stands for, basically. Um, and yeah, I also love. Yeah, he he really is just the loyalist of the group. He's he's very loyal to everybody. You mentioned it in the uh, in the Billy Bats scene. 
uh, he knows what a bad idea it would be to kill Billy Bats. But the second that Tommy enters that room, he knows it's on. And, yep. he, and he knows what he's got to do as a friend to Tommy. He is just loyal to a fault. Yep. And that really comes across in uh, De Niro's performance, I think. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Uh, does anybody have any other performances? Nope. No? All right. Not on my list. Sam, what are you picking as your winner? It was more of a two-horse race than I expected it to be. Uh, I, I really do like Ray Liotta's performance, but uh, Joe Pesci, like I said, gives one of the, one of the great... Uh, gangster movie performances ever. Yeah. Wes? I should pick Joe Pesci, but I was just absolutely floored by the character of Karen. I love that. I love that thing. I love that, I, I love I that so pick. much. I, I absolutely... I just... I, I don't even know if I really remembered this character. I definitely didn't remember the huge role she was going to be playing in the movie. Um, I didn't remember the narration and how much the movie takes on her, her perspective. And, yeah, I just thought it was an explosive performance. I loved it. Awesome. Wicked. Uh, I'm going with Joe Pesci, hands down. Yeah. Uh, All right. Technical review. Samuel. I'm going to surprise myself again and start with the cinematography because there is a lot of shot decisions in this film that just really impressed me. Um, The the big flashy one is the Wonder, which we Mm -hmm. talked about extensively. Um, That's an obvious one. But even things like, in a scene we didn't talk about all that much, referenced maybe once or twice, um, the scene where Karen almost gets whacked, uh, the, the long, faraway shots of De Niro, I think, are so effective in building like mistrust of that character, because when you're not up close, you can't really see what people's intentions are. Um, I, I think shots like that are really good. The POV shot, he just has such a versatile bag of tricks. Um, and the decision to switch to like shaky cam before shaky cam was even a thing uh when we're shooting uh henry's very busy day uh all of those decisions are cinematography based a lot of them as they tend to will kind of overlap with the editing of it but i was blown away by how much i was blown away by the cinematography in this movie i was i knew that i loved the story um i didn't really expect I feel silly saying this about a film that's regarded as one of the best of all time, but like, I didn't really expect this level of filmmaking craft in the cinematography specifically. Uh, and I was, yeah. I was really impressed on the rewatch. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Uh, just to add to that, um, what you said about the one but I think there was a- actually a couple one throughout the movie that mm-hmm. I really liked. Like, uh, obviously the main one, um, the first scene when it introduces the gangsters, um, and it like goes through the list and shows them all on yep. camera. Uh, the shot that moves down and into the meat truck. I love that shot. Shows, I um, fucking love that shot. A Cor- Corbone, I believe, is the character that's hanging there yep. dead. Um, yeah, just I loved the camera movement in, in this movie. It's so fluid. Yeah, it's um, it, it establishes all the characters so well uh, mm-hmm. throughout the entire movie. Um, and I just have a list here of just shots that I liked. Uh, Fire away. One great shot uh that established the location but it was through the mirror and they walked away with the mirror so the mirror leaves and then it establishes the location behind it so Mm -hmm. it's like his way to establish both ends of the location where did we just see that shot we just saw that shot somewhere yeah we did i can't fucking remember i'm gonna look back through my notes and see if i can find it um there's also a wicked shot of uh when jimmy first gets up to the stand when he's a kid I just love 
the framing and the way that it's set and um, where it directs your eye in that scene. Just yeah, plenty of shots throughout this. That uh, I love. Ghost when they're uh, when they're renovating the house. Yes. Yeah. Nice. Is that oh, a ninety it. flick. Yeah, that that one you should watch for Awakening. Not the new feature film starring Anded Armas and Chris Evans. Correct. <laughs> That's ghosted. Ghosted. Oh, uh, okay. Ghost. Um, kind of dare I say, shat on for being like a really stereotypical chick flick. Uh, Demi Moore and Patrick Swayze. Uh, upon revisiting, both me and Manny very impressed, very into it. If you if you want a good romance movie, yeah, hundred percent. That's yeah. one you should def- I would definitely. I definitely check that out before Awakening. Yeah. 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 Uh, did you have some more shots? No. No, that's all. Okay. Yeah. Um, not nominated. What? Cinematography? cinematography? Wow. Oh. Blasphemy. No nominations. Blasphemy. Uh, so Dances Wolves wins. Yeah. And when you watch it, you'll see why. Yeah. Um, not saying it's better, but when you watch Dances Wolves, you'll see why it won. Um, Avalon, a movie I haven't seen. Dick Tracy, another Dick Tracy nomination. Um, the Godfather Part Three, and then this movie called Henry and June, which I have seen, but I haven't seen it since the '90s, so my mm-hmm. recollections of it are nothing. I, I honestly, I know I've seen it because I can remember the poster or the cover of the VHS box, and it's two people in trench coats embracing, like a man and a woman. Henry and June, I would assume, and I think there's rain, and that's all I remember of the wow. movie. Yeah, <laughs> but I can remember it, and I remember watching it, but I couldn't tell you what it's about. I just want to actually clarify my point because I'm realizing that to some, it might sound like I am saying there are a lot of different type of, types of shots in this movie, therefore the cinematography is good. Oh. And I'm not, I want to <laughs> clarify that that's not what I mean because even though um, I like the movie I'm about to reference, I had the opposite feeling about The Big Short. I remember th- I've only seen The Big Short once and I, I've been wanting to revisit I love it. That movie. I love that movie too. But I remember feeling like, Wow, this is really overdirected. Yes, like it this is, is mm-hmm. this is like look how many things I can do yeah. and especially in the editing. Yeah, and yeah. there's like I remember specifically this one crash zoom on Christian Bale's character that just so drew attention to itself. I'm just like, what what is this? Like just shoot the just shoot the scene. <laughs> just yeah. let him talk. The material's good. Trust the material. Um but Goodfellas I had the opposite reaction. I felt like everything that was in there was in there with intention. And uh, it's not easy to do that with as wide a range of stuff. And I just wanted to make that point of clarification. Cool. Awesome. Wes, your pick. Um, I'm going to go for next up the score and soundtrack. Okay. Uh, Nail it. looking at the soundtrack. Is there much of a score throughout this movie? Not to my knowledge. No, no not really. Not at all. Uh, not, not no, I don't I think, think so, of. but... Yeah. Uh, yeah, there is no music credit on the Wikipedia page. Okay, so. yeah. Well, uh, yeah, this movie, I think, just further proves Scorsese is uh, one of the masters of the needle drops. Yeah, uh, 100%. He's got um, Stone Song in there, which is awesome. That's my dad's favorite band. Shout out to Chris. Um, <laughs> uh, he got Then He Kissed Me, Sunshine of Your Love. Um, yeah, I just thought that the song choices throughout here were... We're really strong. I don't yeah. really have uh, much else to add other nope, than that. That's cool. Like, yeah, we, we just don't, the songs that I listed. Uh, yeah, I'm with you. That was that. Uh, you, you actually stole mine. Um, <laughs> uh, I'm with you. I think the song selections in here are he hits everything perfectly. It's like he is a genius when it comes to incorporating music into uh, his movies, and this for me is the prime example of it. 
uh, is Goodfellas. And yeah, I think mm. it's a great pick. Yeah, um, but I think it was before you got here, Wes, but we were talking about Layla, uh, a song by Derek and the Dominoes. Uh, that is a song that I love for about two minutes <laughs> and it's a seven minute long song i just <laughs> it, it goes on every time i hear it i'm like man why don't i listen to layla more this is a great song and five minutes in i'm like oh yeah this is this is why yeah. um but yeah i'll add uh, sunshine of your love by cream to that list yeah. that is a that's a fucking great song yeah so yeah a lot a lot of good ones like the pick for the soundtrack uh then i'll go with the editing nice. um it's told in barely a non-linear fashion we start with one scene in the middle and then we go into more of a linear fashion but the freeze frames the use of voiceover the frenetic ending uh the frenetic editing uh in his very busy day try saying that 10 times fast i couldn't even get through it <laughs> once um this the editing in this i'm actually surprised didn't win because of how well it tells a story um this again lost to dances with wolves um i'm gonna assume most likely dances wolves editing wins because it tells a much broader story it's an it's an Mm -hmm. epic the movie's over three hours long okay um and (coughs) yeah the cinema i know i i can't wait to watch this on my on my beautiful tv uh in high def because it's been a while since I've seen it. I think I last time I saw it was just on like regular DVD. So the cinematography I know is going to be gorgeous. I, I can't think of, I can't think of, I don't think the editing in dances with wolves is going to be anything that's going to be, that's going to be noticeable. Yeah. I think it wins because it helps tell this huge sprawling story. Yeah. It so, is also just a classic Oscar move. Like generally the movie that wins best picture has a higher odd of just winning best film editing. Yeah. Uh, not saying that that takes away from it at all, but that could be the case as well. Yeah. Um, but, and like Sam said, Nate, a lot of times, a lot of people think uh, best editing is most editing. Yeah. Um, obviously there's a lot in here because there's so many cuts and stuff like that. But uh, I really, I've always enjoyed like his use of the freeze frame. For me, I know, I think, if I remember hearing correctly, I think he's borrowing it from the French New Wave film. I don't know. I'm not a... I'm not for a, editing you're talking for, about? For the editing, for the freeze frame and stuff like that. Um, the 90s is where I was introduced to the freeze frame because I saw it here, and then it's used in a movie I fucking love called Out of Sight um, from 97 or 98. Um, it's used in there as well, and so I fell in love with it. That's by Steven Soderbergh. Um, mm-hmm. So, I don't know. I, I just I love the use of freeze frame when it's used properly. Yeah, you don't really see a lot of freeze frame anymore, do you? It's uh, It kind of got a bad rep in the 90s and early 2000s with the whole, yep, that's me. You're probably wondering how I got here. Yes. Like that whole cliche. Uh, I, think, I think that fucking killed the, the freeze frame. Yeah, I, mostly from comedies. Yeah. Yeah. Because they would, it would freeze on like a funny face. Yeah. yeah. Well, the thing that ruined the freeze frame for me is Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban. The final shot, as he's flying away on his new broom. Yeah, and yeah. It stops on Harry's face, and that's how the I just hated that. Part. <laughs> that's the one part of the Prisoner of Azkaban. Literally unwatchable despise. series. And that's why yeah. you weren't asked to be on that episode. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Sam, back to you. Uh, yeah. Do I have anything else? Let's go. Let's go. Uh, I think the only one I really have left is the screenplay. Okay. Uh, the screenplay 
is really interesting based off of the source material written by actual criminal and bad person Henry Hill. Uh, I'm glad that they went the route that they did. Um, I feel like there was probably a temptation to humanize him even more. But I think what the screenplay does so brilliantly, I think this is a film that gets misunderstood by a lot of people. I think this and Wolf of Wall Street, uh, people tend to misunderstand as just like, let's see how awesome this terrible person is. Let's see how fun it is to just do blow and abuse women and kill people. Like, let's just see how fun that is. But it's, it's really just about how unsustainable it is. And he... The, the screenplay just so masterfully shows the unraveling of all the good times. It, it shows you the good times. It's just like, yeah, like this looks like a lot of fun. Partying with your friends, being untouchable, being able to say whatever you want to whomever you want, being able to fuck whoever you want, whenever you want. Um, like it shows all of that, but then it also shows like that, that really tragic shot of them, of uh, Karen and Henry huddled in the corner is like such a huge juxtaposition from all of that. And a lot of that starts with the screenplay. A lot of that starts with the writing of sure. a, a kind of almost being rooted in uh, like the tragedies of old, For like sure. uh, the being rooted in like, I don't know, Shakespeare and even ancient yeah. Greece. Um, I think it's, uh, he does a really good job of telling modern stories in a really tragic bent. That's, yeah. that's really a great skill of Martin Scorsese and, uh, uh, in this in this case, he, his co-writer is Eric Roth, I guess. Um, and then uh, also, of course, um, Henry Hill, who wrote the, the original source material. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. And I think the best part about the way that Martin Scorsese depicts crime is that tragedy is an inevitability of yeah. crime. Crime mm -hmm. never pays. Mm -hmm. You know, you're, you're always going to wind up in, yeah, in a worse in place than yeah. than where you started at and, least in the world of martin scorsese film <laughs> yeah and he uh, the reason why uh he said he wanted to produce the script and why it resonated with him so much is because of the realistic aspects of it it doesn't well it glorifies it at points but then by the end of the movie it really strips all all of that mm -hmm. away and a lot of gangster films don't really do that they just stick to the glorification whereas he truly unravels every aspect of it and i love that i think screenplay. part of the genius of the screenplay as well uh i've talked about this in the wolf of wall street before how it's really it's not supposed to be a takedown of jordan belfort mm -hmm. per se it's supposed to be kind of a commentary on you it like mm -hmm. uh the final shot of wolf of wall street is the shot of the audience watching jordan belfort's performance sorry spoilers for wolf of wall street <laughs> there's still lots more movie to enjoy but I felt I felt like that was him saying, like, yeah, this guy's a piece of shit, but people admire him. People want to be him. Yeah. You kind of want to be him, right. and that's a problem. And it, yeah. it's kind of pointing the camera at the audience and saying, like, take a look at yourself and your urges and realize the importance of your impulse control. It's a good thing we're all not money-hungry, uh, uh, money-hungry, adulterous uh, murderers. It's yeah. it's a really good thing for that we're not for sure. All those and I think Goodfellas is uh, the the shot of Henry on the on his front porch saying now I have to live my life like some kind of schnook is kind of saying like yeah this guy's a piece of shit but like he could be your next door neighbor too like he could he could be anyone he could be you so yeah <clears throat> that's my rant on the screenplay I'm sorry awesome <laughs> your pick oh um. 
Yeah, I'm going to go with... I've mentioned it before um, a lot of times, but I'm just going to go with the color grading. Yep. Um, I guess that does incorporate a little bit into costume design and set design, um, but I'll just stick to the color. I just love the use of reds throughout this movie. There is uh, good use of color... Um, throughout the rest of the movie too um i don't i didn't really understand the meaning behind it but aesthetically and how it makes the cinematography look there's a, a lot of good use of color but just particularly with the use of the color red to show passion to show violence to show anger to show uh how menacing these characters are and i think how you're not really meant to root for them and i think it's it really is rooted in the use of that color right off the get-go from the, the taillights off the car uh the first time you see the characters be confrontational or violent they're usually wearing red um and yeah just a bunch of elements like that i i really picked up on and i really loved because i love color grading you should uh you should watch out of sight okay um out of sight is told it well it's told in a non-linear fashion again but one of the things it does is two major two major cities in the in the story are Miami and Detroit mm. and so all the time they're in Miami it's a lot of orange and yellows yeah. and when they're in Detroit it's a lot of blues and silvers yeah and even the film that. itself like you can tell immediately when they're in Detroit because even the hue on the screen is blue and silver yeah and then when they're down in Miami it's all bright and sunny yeah uh, I, I yeah it's it's I remember watching it I was like even when I was watching it back then, I was like, that's really fucking cool. And mm -hmm. then as you start to appreciate film and notice it even more, you're like, that's really fucking cool. Yeah, um, for sure. Yeah. Uh, I can't really add much more to the color grading than what you already said. You covered it pretty well, so I'm just in full agreement. Yeah, sweet. Sam? Yeah, I uh, I don't – I admittedly, I'm, a, I'm almost ashamed to admit, but like I barely even noticed it. Uh, and it's like now that I think about it, it's one of the most obvious – pieces in the movie mm -hmm. it goes to show i think that when a movie engrosses you enough even if you're trying to dissect it things can kind of fly totally. under the radar um, i'm so bad for missing oneers because yeah. i'll just be so invested well, in what the story's doing yeah and it's like, funny because it doesn't say like at the beginning of the shot this is a oneer yeah. you just kind of realize halfway you're like when was the last cut yeah. <laughs> do you, you want to know what's funny about oneers is i notice them a lot except in spielberg films he, i do not see them he's the master spielberg of the films. subtle oneer yeah. He uh, he does not draw attention to them, but they're like they're reliably in his movies. Like, and they're not they're not crazy like five minute set pieces. It's just kind of like a minute and a half long, two minute long conversation maybe that yeah. he'll choose to do a one or in. I the one I love is his West Side Story remake, the, mm -hmm. the dance in the, yeah. in the gym, and how he goes through and oh. up and around all the. God, dances. I gotta rewatch that one. Oh, Me that, too. That was that was a great I fucking movie. That was the only theater experience that I've had where I was. At, absolutely by myself not a single oh, really? other soul in the yeah. theater it was amazing hmm. i'll have that tomorrow for two movies back to back you'll be by yourself yeah in for barbie and Oppenheimer. yeah i think wes means he was the sole oh. person in the well, theater yeah, no, i oh. was the only person oh, oh i've the been theater. that uh i was that for the insider okay and a couple other movies i've yeah. done i've i've been that it's awesome yeah i was gonna say did you like rent out the theater tomorrow or something oh yeah no i thought you meant going by yourself which yeah. i've done countless times but yeah i've been alone in the theater a couple mm -hmm. times which i love um my turn yep i'm going with directing uh 
I can't heap enough praise, obviously, on this uh, in every aspect. Um, every choice he makes is perfect. How he pulls out these incredible performances from everyone, not just the four, the four leads, but Paul Servino and all the minor gangsters as well. Like, Carbone kills me. I fucking mm-hmm. love that guy. Um, Stax. Stax. We get a, a young Samuel L. Jackson. Yeah, crazy. I forgot Wait, about that. Stax? That's Stax? That's Samuel Jackson. No way. Yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> I can't believe okay, you didn't I'm notice. That's that funny. Yeah. That's yeah. awesome. Uh, it's because he didn't say motherfucker. That's, that's it. <laughs> yeah, <exactly. laughs> yeah, it's Samuel Jackson. And then, you know, I, like, I love the whiny performance of Karen's mom. Like, he and the performance he gets from his own mother. Mm-hmm. Um, also, side note, uh, the other guy in jail is Scorsese's dad. Hmm. The guy that puts oh, wow. too much onions in the in the sauce. Yeah, that's oh. Scorsese's dad. <laughs> that's awesome. Um, obviously, incredible song choices. Everything he does with this movie, he nails. And I think this is prob this is one of his best movies, if not his best movie. Hmm. Um, yeah. That's all I got. Yeah, I got nothing else. Cool. Anything anything else to touch on? Well, I mean, just adding on to the directing, I guess. Yep. In every movie, if there is aspects that I don't... uh, Every movie of his that I've watched, if there is aspects that I don't like or some stuff that I'm not a fan of, the performances every time are spectacular. Mm -hmm. He just knows how to pull out great performances. So I totally agree with what you said. Uh, Yeah, there's... You're going to say Cameron Diaz, aren't you? No, Cameron Diaz and what? Oh, Gangs. yes, Gangs. yes, yes. I but I don't. My hold on. Oh, I was gonna say I'm like I can't think of a Cameron Diaz performance I like, but there is one. But it's not like Oscar worthy. It's a it's a comedic performance. Mm-hmm. Um, I have not rewatched. There's something about Mary, which is the one that helped make her famous, which I am hesitantly excited to rewatch. Um, but she is absolutely superb in My Best Friend's Wedding incredible um but yeah you know no, the, uh there's a couple performances in cape fear i didn't like oh okay i'm excited to check that one out you will be blown away by de niro Sweet. i'm excited to see what you think of everybody else yeah i'll let okay. you know cool uh anything else technical no nope. no nope. think i'm good sam when the performances are all great when the cinematography's great when the editing's great the screenplay is great the director was great. That, that is my, my cop-out answer, that everything is phenomenal, and the director has his hands in everything. Yeah. So That's it's the fair. director. Yeah. Uh, basically, just going to repeat that back verbatim. <laughs> um, how could I not pick directing when this is Scorsese? <laughs> yeah. your boy? Yeah. My number one through and through, and this is, you know, this is basically the sum of everything that his career means uh going back and going forward you can always pin it back to goodfellas so basically what we should be doing is making sure that we cover every scorsese film going forward here so that way west will come yeah exactly Exactly. yeah yeah what year are we jumping to after this 97 97 is i don't want to say he has one in that year i don't think he does maybe not but we'll find out here And then we're shortly. moving forward after that. Well, I'll see if uh, I can. I, too, am also picking, as he's looking, I, I too, am picking Scorsese uh, for my pick. Uh, it's because he has his hands in everything. This is an absolute masterpiece. And, uh, yeah. 
What you got for us awesome. in 97? Kunden. Oh, I do want to check that out. So do I. Yeah. K-U-N-D-U-N. Do I, did I say that right? Yeah. Kunden. Kunden? Kunden. 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 Oh, uh, interesting. Oh, it's right. based on the life of the Dalai Lama. That's cool. That's right. You guys have to finish off the 90s after this, right? Well, we've, 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 we've done 99. Well, we've done everything. But we want to – it was, wasn't until 95 that we started doing more than just the Best Picture nominees. We yeah. started expanding into kind of culturally significant films. And then we expanded it more into including filmmakers that we love. So mm -hmm. we want to go back and do it for the yeah. years that we've done. We're skipping 96 because we feel it's kind of a weak year. And there's not that many films outside of the Best Picture nominees that we've already done that we want to revisit. So we're just skipping it. So we're going – after we finish 90, we're going to 97, and then we're going to go forward from yeah. there from oh, there perfect. on. Oh, perfect. Oh, for the rest of For your... the rest of it. Oh, fuck yeah. yeah. We, okay. We tossed around the idea of jumping to 80 and going forward, but we've really done so much work on the 90s, and that's the year – that was when I grew up, so we're yeah. – I'm, I'm getting to relive – I want Sam to have that, so we're gonna we're gonna move yeah, after after we finish the '90s, then we're gonna go 2000 forward. Yeah. Maybe when we get to 2010, which oh God. rough math is about 2031, <laughs> <laughs> um, we can revisit if we want to go back to the '80s and do it then. Yeah. But we're gonna go '97 to 2009 for sure. Yeah. As soon as you hit 2010s, it's gonna be hard for me not to want to come on yeah. for every single episode. Yeah. I will not lie. Um, another reason to watch Kundan, uh, other than Scorsese in the director's chair, who's behind the camera? Deacons. Deacons? Yeah, oh, baby. I didn't even know that Deacons and Scorsese did a movie together. I either. also did not. Well, that just got added to the 97 <laughs> list. I guess it yeah. did. All right, you're on for that one? Yeah, for sure. Done. Sweet. <laughs> okay. Um, all right, favorite quotes. Sam. All right. I, as expected, have five. Uh... A lot of great dialogue in this, but still some great one-liners. Um, number one, as far back as I can remember, I always wanted to be a gangster. Uh, number two, uh, I had to choose just a snippet of yep. this very long scene. Of course. Uh, you mean, let me understand this, because, you know, maybe it's me. I'm a little fucked up, maybe, but I'm funny how? I mean, I'm funny like a clown. I amuse you. I make you laugh. I'm here to fucking amuse you. What do you mean funny? Funny how? How am I funny? That's uh, number two. Number yep, three, nice. uh, uh, I probably should have this at the end because it's chronologically last, but I'm an average nobody. Get to live the rest of my life like a schnook. Yep. Uh, number four uh, is in regards to the conversation about Polly going in on the restaurant. Uh, now the guy's got Polly as a partner. Any problems, he goes to Polly. Trouble with the bill, he can go to Polly. Trouble with the cops, deliveries, Tommy, he can, uh, he can call Polly. But now the guy's got to come up with Polly's money every week, no matter what. Business bad? Fuck you. Pay me. Oh, you had a fire? Fuck you. Pay me. Place got hit by lightning? Fuck you. Pay me. <laughs> and uh, number five, if you're part of a crew, nobody ever tells you that they're going to kill you. Doesn't happen that way. There weren't any arguments or curses like in the movies. See, your murderers come with smiles. They come as your friends, the people who've cared for you all your life. They always they always seem to come at a time that you're at your weakest and most in need of their help. Like a shockingly dark but salient thought from Henry Hill as he begins to unravel. Awesome. Great picks. Nice. Wes, what do you got? All right. Uh, number one, as far back as I remember, as I remember, I wanted to be a gangster. Yep. Number two, uh, 
I probably won't say it as well as Sam. <laughs> funny how? What's funny about it? Funny like I'm a clown? I amuse you? I make you laugh? I'm here to fucking amuse you? <laughs> uh, number three, uh, Jimmy was the kind of guy who rooted for the bad guys in the movies. That is a great line. Great uh, pick. Number four, if you're part of a crew, nobody ever tells you that they're going to kill you and mm-hmm. the rest of the monologue yep. there. Uh, number five, and this comes from the narration from Karen during their wedding. It was like he had two families. The first time I was introduced to them all at once, it was crazy. Polly and his brothers and lots of sons and nephews, and almost all of them were named Peter or Paul. It was unbelievable. <laughs> there must have been two dozen Peters and Pauls at the wedding. Plus, they were all married to girls named Marie, and they named all their daughters Marie. By the time I was finished meeting everybody, I thought I was drunk. Yep. <laughs> and honestly, I think that line, it's either this is actually true in Italian culture, or it's Scorsese playing with the tropes of mobster names. I think it's a little bit of both. I think yeah. it's a little bit of both. Um, okay, is that so... It? Yeah, that's okay, it. Cool. All right, I, I, we've, we've got so much crossover, so as far back as I can remember, I won't say it, the uh, I Muse You uh, is in there. The one thing as well that I love about that line is that at the very end of that line in uh, Pesci's delivery, he's almost out of breath. Like he, when he goes, what do you mean I'm funny? How, how, how am I funny? He has this catch of the breath right at the end. Mm-hmm. I've always loved that. Um, the one I have that you – I have two that you guys don't. So I have the I'm an average nobody, the schnook line. And the two I have that you don't is from Jimmy. Uh, I'm not mad. I'm proud of you. You took your first pinch like a man. And you learned two great things in your life. Look at me. Never rat on your friends and always keep your mouth shut. Mm-hmm. And the other one is from Henry Hill talking about Polly. Polly may have moved slow, but it was only because Polly didn't have to move for anybody. Fuck, I can't believe I missed that nice. De Niro one. That's, that's a good one. Yep. Sam, your favorite quote. Uh, I'm not going to do the whole thing, but funny how. Yeah. Funny how. Um, I also just want to say briefly on the name thing, uh, somewhat related. I watched an interview with George R. R. Martin recently, where he's yeah. where he's talking Favorite about author. he's talking about Game of Thrones, and yeah. uh, he said the advice always given to him was never start or never have two characters who have uh, the same letter in their name uh, or the same letter to start their name because it'll confuse the reader. So like, only have one character whose name starts with S, one character whose in name starts with T. Scene? Yeah, in in like a book. Oh and, wow! Yeah, and he said he thought that was stupid because he has a he has more than twenty six characters yeah. in, in his books, and b because he wants it to feel real. History textbooks. If you if you've read yeah, if you've read uh, English history, yeah. it's just the history of William and Henry. That's yeah. <laughs> that's yeah. all. Yeah. That's all it is. Yeah. It's just William and Henry oh. the entire way through. So he said he's just completely disregarded that rule, and I I just wanted to tie that back to the, to yeah. the poly oh, thing that. earlier. You're talking at my heart. Yeah. Talking about my boy. <laughs> anyway, yeah, your uh, your pick for quote. Uh, my pick for quote. Um, I'm just gonna go with as far back as I remember. I wanted to be a gangster. Awesome, excellent pick. Yeah. I'm going with do, do I amuse you? Mm-hmm. Yeah, obviously. Um, Sam, weak link of the film. Robert De Niro's ability to cry. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> the best I got. Westy, it's, it's okay to say none yeah, if you have no, one. Yeah. I'm gonna have to reanalyze this, um, and I know it's a large part due to the improvisation. But I'm gonna go with the structure of the screenplay. Interesting. Not saying it's bad, but I'm also just I don't know if it's good. I want to do <laughs> some re rethinking. Yeah, that's fine. Nice. Know? 
De Niro's crying. <laughs> it's, it's, My real answer is nothing. I it's, think that, it's yeah. always bugged me, but not enough where it, like, it wrecks anything for me. Like I still think De Niro's fantastic in the movie, but his crying always bothers me in mm-hmm. every movie. Mm-hmm. So it's not just this one. <laughs> uh, all right, some trivia. There's probably uh, lots. Huh? Probably lots. Yeah, I can get through it. Uh, according to Henry Hill, whose life was the basis of the book and the film, Joe Pesci's t- portrayal of Tommy DeSimone, is his real name, there you go. Uh, was 90 to 99% accurate, with one notable exception. The real Tommy DeSimone was massively built. Uh, this is what we talked about earlier. The How My Funny scene is based on something that actually happened to Joe Pesci. While working in a restaurant, a young Pesci apparently told a mobster that he was funny, a compliment that was met with a less than enthusiastic response. Pesci relayed the anecdote to Martin Scorsese, who decided to include it in the film. Scorsese didn't include the scene in the shooting script, so that Pesci and Ray Liotta's interactions would elicit genuinely surprised reactions from the supporting cast. I fucking love that. That's good. According to Nicholas Pileggi, some mobsters were hired as extras to lend authenticity to scenes. The mobsters gave Warner Brothers fake social security numbers, and no one knows how they received their paychecks. <laughs> uh, for the scene where uh, Sonny Buns... Su- Sonny Buns? Complains... Oh, the owner of the restaurant. Complains to Polly. Martin Scorsese secretly told Tony Darrow to improvise more lines for his character without telling Paul Servino. Servino's confused reaction was real. Oh, that's cool. I like that. Uh, the first scene filmed was Maury's Wigs commercial. Martin Scorsese was inspired by a low-budget commercial that ran in New York City for a replacement window company. Scorsese contacted the company and found that the spokesperson in the ad was Stephen R. Paca, who owned the company and created the ad himself. Paca was hired to write, direct, and edit the commercial for Maury's wigs so it would look like an authentic local ad. Fuck yeah, that's, that's really cool. The long tracking shot through the Copacabana nightclub came about because the filmmakers couldn't get permission to go in the short way forcing them to go around the back. Scorsese decided to film the sequence in one unbroken shot in order to symbolize that Henry's entire life was ahead of him. Quote, It's his seduction of her, Karen, and it's also the lifestyle seducing him. End quote. The sequence was shot eight times. The long trick tracking shot in the Copa took seven, eight takes. One take was ruined because Henny Youngman forgot his lines. According to Ileana Douglas, Scorsese was inspired by the long Steadicam shot in The Untouchables. That's mm. awesome. And that just kind of adds to what you said earlier about how every shot has intention. Yeah. Including that one. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Ray Liotta has said on a documentary special that his first person narration for the film was often done by actually saying his narration to another person in the room. That way it felt more authentic and made it easier for him to tell a story. Uh, the later life of Henry Hill, after he enters the Witness Protection Program, was also adapted more humorously into My Blue Heaven, 1990, the same year. Appropriately, that film was written by Nora Ephron, who was Nicholas Pileggi's wife. Ephron reportedly witnessed so many phone conversations that Pileggi had with Hill for his book Wise Guy, which he would later adapt into a screenplay, that it inspired her to write a screenplay of her own. Although Hill loved Goodfellas, he allegedly wasn't happy with My Blue Heaven. (laughs) Tough. According to U.S. Attorney Edward McDonald, who plays himself in the film, one important real-life detail was left out of the scene of him sitting in the office with Henry and Karen Hill discussing entering the Witness Protection Program. Waiting outside the office were two of Henry's mistresses, whom he also wanted brought along into the program. (laughs) (laughs) When Karen sees Janice Rossi... Uh, in the prison visitor registry, 
The name below is listed as Bali Basteros. <laughs> <laughs> For the last two weeks of filming the scenes of young Henry in the 1950s, Barry Sonnenfeld took over as cinematographer. Michael Ballhouse had to leave to shoot Postcards from the Edge. Oh. Wow. Barry Sonnenfeld. Four actors have won the Oscar for portraying real-life killers. Joe Pesci, Susan Hayward, Estelle Parsons, and Charlize Theron. Oh, and Forrest Whitaker. Sorry, five people. Mm -hmm. Um, Hayward played Barbara Graham in I Want to Live. Parsons portrayed Blanche Barrow, an accomplice to murder in Bonnie and Clyde. Theron played serial killer Aileen Wernos, and Whitaker played dictator Idi Amon. Mm-hmm. Casting what ifs. Uh, Ray Liotta turned down the part of Harvey Dent in Batman in order to make this movie. Wise. Fuck yeah. <laughs> that, wait, Tim Burton's Batman's? Or yes. Shoot? Okay. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Alec Baldwin auditioned for the role of Henry Hill. Yeah, I guess he would have been the right age-ish. He would. We're going to do an Alec Baldwin film. Oh. We're doing cool. Hunt for Red October. Oh. You should watch that. Okay. Um, while De Niro was not yet committed to the project, Martin Scorsese courted William Peterson for the role of Jimmy Conway. Peterson turned it down. Hmm. Do you know who that is? No. Not by name? You do know him. He's the lead actor in CSI Las Vegas. Gil Grissom. Oh, okay. Yeah. I don't see it. Hmm. But I love that, I love that actor. Um, John Malkovich was considered for Jimmy Conway, but turned it down. I think he would have been good. His voice is a little too distinct, though. Yeah. Uh, when I saw this, it kind of made me sad. I do love, again, I love Ray Liotta, but Val Kilmer auditioned for the mm. role. Hmm. I would have been good. Yep, I definitely could have liked that. Um, Al Pacino was offered the role of Jimmy Conway. He turned it down due to fears of typecasting. That same year, Pacino ended up playing an even more stereotype gangster, big boy Caprice and Dick Tracy. He admits... Regretting the decision. <laughs> he could have killed it, for sure. Yeah. Uh, according to Ray Liotta on the special edition DVD, Sean Penn was considered for the role of Hill. Hmm. And according to Erwin Winkler, Tom Cruise was disgusted for the role of Henry Hill. Disgust. Yeah. yeah. I, uh, I like the Val Kilmer thing. I think that's cool. Me too. I'm a big fan of that one. Mm-hmm. All right. Closing credits. Sam, would you watch this movie again? Yes, I would. Wes? Fuck yes. I've seen this movie twice this week. <laughs> I would watch this movie tomorrow. Sam, would you recommend this movie to friends? Yes, I would. Wes? Fuck yes. Hell yeah, I would. I'm always excited when I find someone that hasn't seen it. Sam, MVP of the film. Scorsese. Easy pick. Yep. <laughs> Wes? MVP of the film. Yep. I really want to say the awesome mobster names. Like French, Jimmy <laughs> <Kevin Rose Beef, laughs> Two Times, Stax Edwards. Get the papers. Get course, the papers. <laughs> of course, I've got to go. Scorsese, for my boy. You gotta, Scorsese. Yeah, it's it's a trifecta for Scorsese. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Easily the MVP. Um, as I say every week, uh, fast becoming one of my favorite parts of the program is recommending a good double feature with the film. Sam, your selection. I tried to get a little creative with it. There's a movie I've referenced several times tonight, which would be a great double feature, which I'm not going to pick here. Okay. Uh, simply for the uh, urge to get a little creative with it. A film about ambition, greed, and bravado being the ultimate downfall of a morally ambiguous criminal. Go check out No Country for Old Men. Cool. Interesting. Cool. <laughs> huh. 
There, I think there's two really obvious ones, but there's two really obvious double feature ones, but I elected to keep away from them. Partly because I'm fairly certain at least one of them will be named by one of you. <laughs> I, yeah, I'm going for the really obvious one. I'm going to say The Godfather and Goodfellas. Two um, yeah. arguably greatest uh, greatest uh, mobster flicks of all yeah. time. If you count Godfather 1 and 2 together yeah. with Goodfellas, it's it's got to be that. Okay. Uh, yeah, we're going, uh, we're going... I decided to go for another easy pick in my opinion. Um, it's basically just a rehash of this film. I picked Casino. Yeah. Oh, interesting. That was my next pick. Yeah. Yeah. I also decided uh, I'm going to also recommend a movie I haven't seen, hmm. uh, and that's My Blue Heaven, which is the oh, story yeah. of Henry Hill's life in the oh. Witness Relocation Program. It is a comedy. I haven't seen it. It's on my watch list. I do plan on watching it. Uh, it has middling reviews, um, but it, it it's Steve Martin. And uh, in the Henry Hill role, hmm. and uh, Rick Moranis is the I don't know FBI agent assigned to protect him. So we'll see how it is. Is the character named Henry Hill? Do we know that? Um, also, since you uh, since you technically did too, I am just going to mention explicitly Wolf of Wall Street would be an excellent double feature oh, for this. Obviously, for some <laughs> reason that didn't come across my mind, even though I thought about it so much while yeah. I was watching it. Yep. But yeah, I think it was more not sorry, sorry I cut you oh, off. Oh, his name isn't Henry Hill. No. Okay, but it's based off of him. Yes. Yeah. Um yeah, I think it was probably obvious to me cuz I remember the discourse surrounding Wolf of Wall Street. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you uh, I don't know if you would have been old enough. I'm not really sure. I was paying attention to yeah. discourse back. <laughs> no, back then like all the critics were like yeah. like Everybody who wrote a negative review about Wolf of Wall Street, which was admittedly few, were basically like, it's basically just Goodfellas again. I'm like, yeah, it's a great fucking movie. That's <laughs> great that we got it twice. Yeah. Wolf of Wall Street. Uh, an actress I think that you really like for some reason. I know that she's in a movie you fucking adore, but I think you like her, but I don't know how much other films of hers you love is in My Blue Heaven, and that's Joan Cusack. Oh, yeah. Um, admittedly, my... Uh, my first exposure to Joan Cusack was uh, School of Rock. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's probably what you're talking about. Yes. Um, I can't remember any others off the top of my head, but she is definitely one when I see her in stuff. I think she's hilarious. I think I think she's really, really funny and really yeah. talented. I'm very interested in watching uh, My Blue Heaven. Uh, 35 Metascore, Oy. but I think it got about a 3.1 on Letterboxd. Okay. Hmm. A movie for the people. Yeah. Um, all right. Sam, what will be this film's legacy? Uh, one of the greatest gangster movies ever made. One of three. Either Godfather 1, Godfather 2, or Goodfellas. Yeah. yeah. Wes? I could echo that, but uh, I'll go with Martin Scorsese's career highlight. Nice. Mm. Awesome. Uh, I'm going to expand upon Sam's pick. Um, instead of this be considered basically podium gangster films, I think the legacy of this film is it's one of the greatest films ever made. Yeah. 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 Well said. Uh, Sam, what did you learn from this movie? Uh, initially, I was going to say never rat on your friends, <laughs> but <laughs> honestly, Henry Hill's alive because he did rat on his friends, <laughs> yeah. so I don't think I did learn that from this movie. Um, unbridled ambition can be dangerous and ultimately destructive. God damn it. <clears throat> Wes? Pretty basic lesson for mine. Classic lesson, but just crime never pays. You'll either wind up dead or in jail unless you want to snitch. Hmm. Nice. Yeah, I have basically the same thing as Wes. Um, I just wrote down that being in the mob sucks. Uh, it may look glamorous, but you'll you don't get out 
in any good way whatsoever. Uh, Sam, your final thoughts on Goodfellas. What a fun one to revisit. I was This was one of the ones from 90 I was really excited about, especially when it was announced that Scorsese's super fan Wes Meineker was going to be on the show. Uh, was really excited for this one. It absolutely delivered. We've been talking for a long time about this, but it doesn't even really feel like it. Uh, I feel like we could go back and re-dissect it and still have fresh things to say. Every scene is chock full of little details and goodies and great filmmaking and great performances. Um, and with that said, there are so many of those scenes that they move very quickly. It's a very fast-paced movie. And uh, I think that almost anybody could watch this and take something out of it, assuming you're not averse to things like uh, gratuitous violence. <laughs> uh, yeah, was a, a, an absolute blast to revisit. This had been on my revisit list even before I knew we were doing it for the podcast. Uh, it's been on the rewatch list for some time now. And uh, very happy that I did. Wicked. Wes. Awesome. Uh, yeah, to me, quite simply, this is Martin Scorsese's magnum opus, is the way I see it. Uh, everything is on full display here. The performances he pulls out are amazing. As we've touched on all the technical aspects, they're near flawless, except for maybe some parts of the acting, but we won't go there again. <laughs> um, yeah, um, I don't have a lot to add here other than this is my favorite director and this is widely considered his best movie. So thereby I am inclined to love it and I hope everyone else does too. <laughs> yeah, this is a movie I was very excited to discuss and I knew the moment it was announced that uh, our boy Wes was going to jump on board and I was super excited that he did and I was even more excited that we could work it out, that we could do it in person when he came into town. Oh yeah. Uh, took some took some planning but we made it work and it was worth it 100 percent. loved having wes here to discuss such an incredible movie this movie uh is rightfully so considered one of the greatest ones ever made there's basically almost no flaw except for one tiny little bad crying moment but <laughs> if that's the one thing i'm picking on we're doing just fine cause which i'll not... reiterate i honestly didn't even really notice yeah <laughs> it, it's my own thing i i could i could be on an island on this man uh but who knows other than that the movie is virtually flawless from start to finish and a complete and utterly enjoyable ride i can watch this movie over and over again and be completely entertained each and every single time so now it's time to give this movie a rating sam what are you giving good fellas uh no suspense here it's an easy five for me wes we can't go over five right? <laughs> nobody's ever asked <laughs> that's true i'll stick to the rules Perfect. It's a five for me. We have a new entry into the Sam Pantheon. Love it. Yeah. Uh, yeah, easy five. No worries. Um, generally, this is when we start to wrap up the show. We're already three hours in, but we have more to offer. We have, uh, at Wes's request, oh, yeah. uh, Wes has been, as he mentioned earlier, uh, trying to uh, watch the entire filmography of his favorite director, uh, he was unable to accomplish the feat by the deadline that he set, um, but he did manage to get quite a few done. And so he has asked us to get together to uh, rank our Scorsese films. Now, I just want to clarify because this is how I did my list. I ranked these as my favorite yeah. based on my preference, yeah. not by the uh, quality. The absolute yeah. merit. Yes. If such a thing exists. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So we have all got varying numbers of our films. 
Um, so each of us is going to do our entire list in ascending order. And uh, if we so wish, we could discuss a little bit about the film, but we're going to try and keep it short and sweet uh, so we don't uh, run too long. Uh, everybody okay with that? For yeah, sure. yeah. Sweet. Sam, you ready to lead us off? Yeah, let's do it. All I'm right. just trying to create uh, numbered lists so I can uh, insert your list in there while we go along. Sure. Um, I'll go somewhat brisk, but uh, I'll spend a little time on each. Number eight. So I've seen eight of these films. Yep. Uh, number eight is one I admittedly just don't remember that well. Um, I remember enjoying the lead performance in it, uh, but found it uh, definitely a little long and ultimately not the most memorable of his filmography. Number eight is Aviator. Yep film we watched for the podcast uh everyone's seen this one i know you have many haven't seen it you haven't seen aviator pretty good uh it's a true story about the life of howard hughes uh leonardo dicaprio incredible dicaprio performance yeah incredible oscar-winning performance from Kate blanchett yeah otherwise kind of forgettable yeah i agree uh Number seven, uh, another movie I've only seen once, uh, filled to the brim with every name you could possibly hope to have in a movie. Uh, honestly, just this low because this film has been made better uh, by the same person. Uh, number seven, The Irishman. Uh, three and a half hours long, mostly enjoyable. <laughs> suffers from, it's funny, this film's already four, four years old. And the anti-aging stuff that it does has already aged so poorly. It's amazing. Uh, the De Niro de-aging stuff is really distracting in the scenes that it's used. Have you watched it more than once? No, I haven't. Okay. But, um, but I know that that would be... It was already standing out bad. This was before the word deepfake was in the cultural lexicon <laughs> even. Um, so we've already gotten better at this technology since the film was released. Uh, number six, film I enjoyed. A um, little bit of a departure as far as the cast is concerned. A couple of newcomers to the Scorsese filmography in a relatively recent film. Don't know if either of you have seen this. Silence. I want to see this so bad. Yeah, really so good. This has got one of your other boys in it. How have you not seen this? Uh, Adam Driver. That's yeah. my favorite actor. I know. Adam Driver and... Man, unless uh, you suck. And Andrew Garfield. <laughs> uh, really enjoyable. Uh, the only reason is this low is because there's fine five Scorsese films that are better than it. I think you'll really enjoy it. Um, Scorsese grew up religious and I believe still is religious. Yep. I myself am not, but uh, I still really found a lot to enjoy in this movie. I always find depictions of faith through really tough times, and I will go as far as to say that there are some really fucking dark and disturbing things in this movie that these people have to endure, and the study of how their faith endures really interests me. Um Cool. Number five is kind of a homer pick. So that was number six? Yes, okay. that's right. Yep. Number five is kind of a homer pick. I suspect that both of you have seen it and probably have it a little lower on your lists. Um, one that I really enjoyed growing up. Oh. Just a really good, suspenseful, straightforward thriller. I know what it's going uh, with. Shutter Island, number five. Um, I assume both of you have seen it. Yep. Number four, admittedly marred by one subpar performance in it. It is so much fun front to back. Uh, has our good friend Dan Lewis as one of the one of my favorite villains of all time uh, Bill the Butcher uh, Gangs New York yep. number four number four Podium yep Podium Mount Rushmore now we're into Podium yep. uh, I mean there's only three left that they could possibly be it's really a matter of the order number three it it got there second like it, it was it, if it got there first it might be first but uh, it was the not a remake remake of Goodfellas, uh, Wolf of Wall Street, uh, number three. Still a huge fan of that movie to this day. One that's only grown on me in estimation and uh, probably due for probably my fourth or fifth watch at this point. Mm-hmm. Definitely would want to go see that again. 
Got two left. Number two, uh, in a photo finish, uh, we have Goodfellas. Wow. <laughs> as my second favorite uh, Scorsese movie. Uh, there, as we established in the last three hours, there's basically nothing not to like about this movie. The only reason it isn't number one is because there's just one that I have watched far more times, one that I quote more, one that speaks to me, one that I have watched religiously since it came out in 2006, one that I arguably watched when I was far too young to have watched it. That's The Departed. Uh, Best Picture winner 2006, Leonardo DiCaprio and Matt Damon and Jack Nicholson and Mark Wahlberg and Alec Baldwin. Holy shit, there's so many names in this movie, I almost ran out of breath. Um, I know that Manny even likes the Hong Kong version better. I do. um, Whose name escapes me at the moment. Internal Affairs? Infernal Infernal Affairs, affairs, thank you. Um, I wholeheartedly disagree. I think The Departed, while almost acting as a shot-for-shot remake at times, adds a lot of fresh new stuff to it. And come on, it has Leonardo DiCaprio and Matt Damon in it. So, uh, The Departed. And Oscar nominee Mark Wahlberg, for some reason. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe. Maybe not. Maybe fuck yourself. (laughs) I love that movie. I forget every time I watch it how funny it is. It's a Mm -hmm. hilarious movie, but also insanely dark. That's That's my list. I saw that coming from a mile away. Yeah, I'm sure you yeah. did. <laughs> I, was, no, that's I awesome. was praying it wouldn't be number one. No, it's number one. Wesley. The, the, depra- right. the Departed. I yeah. was waiting for it. I yeah. was like, is he going to do his bad boss? Got to do the Departed. <laughs> okay. Um, so I have a list of 14. Ooh. I think, as I mentioned before, I just wanted to quickly bang off the ones that I haven't seen, if that's okay. I won't talk fire, about them. But yep, fire away. I haven't seen Hugo, The King of Comedy, After Hours, The Aviator, Silence, Cape Fear, the Age of Innocence, The Last Temptation of Christ, Bringing Out the Dead, The Color of Money, and Kundu. Um, so yeah, with that being said, here is my list. At number 14, bit unfair, I've got Who's That Knocking at My Door? <laughs> Scorsese's debut feature film. I believe he made this as a student. I know he got the funding from his university. Um, it's basically a prequel to mean, or not prequel, a origin story to mean streets mean streets they originally wrote this as a continuation of this movie but then eventually changed the script harvey keitel is basically playing the same character which is an autobiographical version of scorsese or at least that's what it feels like it's not totally meant to be that um but there's still some really funny moments uh scorsese or sorry harvey keitel uses Hmm. some hilarious flirtation methods throughout the movie um and it explores a lot of themes of Catholic guilt, um, like a lot of his other movies do. Um, at 13, I have Boxcar Bertha, which was his second feature film. Um, this, The reason why it's so low is because it's not really a Scorsese movie. It's a Roger Corman movie. Do you guys know who Roger Corman is? Yes, I do. I don't. Uh, Roger Corman was basically the pioneer of both independent film and the exploitation genre. Right. And he got so many... Uh, people working in the industry today their start so many people credit him the three most notable ones would be scorsese james cameron and jack nicholson all got his and ron howard and ron howard yeah there you go so there's probably the mount rushmore of the graduates of (laughs) roger corman university (laughs) um so yeah uh, i still really love the story and i still really love the performances that were pulled out but it was made on a shoestring budget and you can just tell some of the technical aspects aren't fully there, not because he doesn't have the capabilities, I just don't think he had the resources. At number 12, I've got New York, New York. Um, Scorsese's homage to the studio system era uh, MGM musicals. 
with Robert De Niro and Liza Minnelli. This does a perfect job making you not want to cheer for the romantic leads to get together. Um, and once again, great use of color coding in the costume design. In every single scene, they're wearing costumes that are opposite colors, so it just really shows you how disjointed they are throughout it. Throughout it. Um, but it is definitely way too long, um, and there's just better movies on this list. Uh, uh, sorry, real quick, uh, the title of number 13 in your list was? Boxcar Bertha. Thank you. And then 12, New York, New York. And then number 11, I have Alice Doesn't Live Here Anymore. Um, which also came out in the 70s. Amazing lead performance. Uh, amazing Jodie Foster performance when she was like 11 or 12, I believe, and she plays a tomboy. Um, that just blew me away because I didn't even know it was her until the end of the movie and the credits rolled. Uh, so that was awesome. Number 10, we've got Gangs of New York. Oh. Uh, <laughs> Wesley. Yeah. What? Very, very low. Wow. Um, amazing performances. Uh, amazing story um, but just parts of I think I and I also didn't rewatch this one uh, when mm -hmm. making this list and I I remember parts of the production design while amazing did feel a little bit messy throughout I thought um, and I also just don't think it was fresh enough in my mind to really consider it. I probably should have exempted it from my list, but ah, nevertheless, it's there. It's all uh, good. Number nine. This is shit now, but whatever. <laughs> number nine, I've got The Irishman. Okay. Um, I really like this movie. Uh, I know it's a bit overlong. Um, I haven't watched it since it came out, so I bet if I rewatched it now, I would have some more things to say critically um, around the technology that's used, but once again, I love the story. I love the performances. So, number nine, Irishman. Number eight, this, a lot of people are going to think this is far too low. I've got Mean Streets. Have you seen this, Manny? Nope. Great movie. Um, it's not necessarily autobiographical because it is about Italian crime. And I don't believe uh, Scorsese was actually involved in not Italian-American crime. Not but, to my uh, knowledge. The character I think he is, just has a fascination with it. Yeah, the character is... I probably grew up around it. Probably. Sorry to cut you off, okay. Wes character's basically a rehash of Keitel's performance in Who's That Knocking My Door, but done way better. Uh, all the technical elements are there. Um, performances are great. I highly, highly recommend uh, this one to both of you, if you haven't watched it. Uh, following that, number seven, I've got Casino, or as we like to call it, Goodfellas 2. Um, <laughs> once again, you got uh, Joe Pesci hamming it up. Um, Robert De Niro in an amazing performance, and Sharon Stone also. Mm. That, I got that right, right? Yeah. Sharon Stone, yeah. yeah. Amazing supporting performance. When's the last time you watched Casino? A uh, couple years. Okay. Yeah, a couple years. I just I am so adamant that Sharon Stone is a supporting actress, not a lead in that movie. Hmm. Support. Was she, she nominated? She was nominated for lead. For lead. Oh, yeah. no. I yeah. agree. I would agree with that for sure. Uh, number six. I can already feel the dirty licks coming my way from uh -huh. Sam's side of the room. Ah, the departed. But I got the departed. <laughs> um, great movie. Thrilling. Um, amazing performances. I don't love it as much as Sam does, but I love that you love it so much. I do. And I, for the record, I'm not upset. I fully expect both of you to yeah. have it far lower than I do. Yeah. Um, nevertheless, great movie. At this point, we're in movies that I all love. Yeah, we're just we're in, yeah. we're in gold territory um, right now. 
Number five, I've got Shutter Island, one of my favorite psychological thrillers. We got that in the same spot, right? Both at yeah. number five. One of my I know favorite... I said I wasn't going to give you shit, but Shutter Island above The Departed is uh, is I, I, surprising. That to me. was one of the big ones I had to think of. That, that is went surprising. Back and forth. All right. Look at him straight. Okay. All right. On my back. <laughs> but uh, one of my favorite endings to a movie, um, favorite ambiguous endings. I remember when I watched that, we had a lot of discussion. Yeah. Oh yeah. It. Of course. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm gonna forget. Yeah. yeah. And I I watched that with my cousin, so just a great experience watching it too, yeah. which I feel like affects. Uh, how you like movies, but um, yeah, Shutter Island, amazing. Number five, number four, one that I just watched two days ago. We've got Raging oh. Bull from 1980. Uh, you've got De Niro playing the hothead, and you've got Pesci still being the master of busting balls and bickering. And the scenes with them bickering in the movie is just amazing. Uh, Robert De Niro's character arc throughout the whole thing uh you see just the absolute fall of a man who was one once in a great position um and yeah just the character arc in that whole movie is very well done i just actually added that to my watch list because i have wanted to watch raging bull for yeah, a long time it definitely. feels like it's a list of shame thing it's his only black and white movie as far as i know yeah number three we've got uh this is probably going to shock you guys we've got goodfellas Whoa! Um, <laughs> fell down the list on the rewatch, did it? Nope. Uh, yeah. It was never at number one, though. Oh, okay. Yeah, but it did number two and number three I had to think about quite a bit. Um, obviously, we just talked about it for three and a half hours, uh, more or less, but amazing movie, amazing performances, amazing technical elements. Uh, I'm going to sound like a broken record with everything that I'm saying, but uh, it's a masterpiece. Uh, if you have not seen this, Please go and watch it. At number two, we have the 1976 classic, go. Taxi Driver. Uh, how unhinged would I sound if I said that Taxi Driver is slowly becoming one of my main comfort movies? You're, yeah, that, you're very unhinged. <laughs> yeah, Taxi I can, Driver. I can tell you right now, you're, when she listens to this episode, you're going to get a message from Jordan. From Jordan. Yeah. yeah. And no, by that, I don't mean comfort in the subject matter but like comfort in uh it's just one that i could put on and fall asleep to because i've seen it so many times i don't have to look at it to know what's going on and i don't have to pay attention well my uh, favorite films are taxi driver joker uh, <laughs> Fight club Hen drive <laughs> henry portrait of yeah. a serial killer yeah all the characters based off me actually. yeah exactly um, it's all about wes but no i i i absolutely love taxi driver it's just one that i think has so much rewatchability uh, despite it being such a grim and bleak story. Yeah. Um, but I absolutely love it. And then, of course, I don't know if you guys saw this coming, but from a mile ahead, I number thought, one. I thought this was going to be number two. Wolf of Wall Street. I, I thought Goodfellas was going to be number one for yeah. sure. Wolf of Wall Street, easily. It's mm. just such an important uh, part of my life. I grew up watching this over and over and over again. It's probably a scene, uh, a movie that I've seen over do like a dozen times. Ah, uh, to be 10 again. <laughs> I, I do have it in my top 10 films of all time. I can't remember exactly quite where it is. Um, Manny can pull that right up right now on Letterboxd. Um, I always forget, your, your number one is Perks, right? My, oh, I no, I yours. switched it. My number one is The Social Network. Oh, cool. Number yeah. two is yeah. Perks. Yeah. And Wolf of Wall Street was number four for the longest time. But actually, a movie you recommended overtook it. Which movie is that? Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Fuck Mind. Fuck yeah, let's go. Yeah. Um, Big fan of that. Yeah, for sure. But yeah, Wolf of Wall Street, 
I <clears throat> absolutely love it. Cool. Um, my number one. <laughs> All right. I've seen 12 films. I'm not going to reveal the ones I haven't seen. You can just gather it by what's not Context. on my list. <laughs> there are two movies of his that I have seen, but I've only seen them once, and it's been so long that I don't feel comfortable rating them. So I'll reveal those two, and that is Bringing Out the Dead and Raging Bull. So they are not on my list. Okay. Uh, my number 12, easily, this when we made this list, easily number 12 is Cape Fear. Mm. Didn't like it at all. Uh, okay. Robert De Niro is mind-blowingly good in one of, in my opinion... He's an incredible performer. This performance is mind-blowingly good. Everybody else sucks balls. Hmm. Uh, Juliette Lewis is actually – sorry, she's really good. She got nominated. Um, I did not look into the production of this film or Scorsese's intentions with the movie. Um, I'm going to hope that his intention was to do a complete remake and homage to the original Cape Fear because the performances he gets from everyone else is very over the top and cheesy and his use he uses the if I remember correctly he's using the exact same score from the original Cape Fear and it just doesn't sit well it's I think from the 50s so it's mm. too it's horny yes and it really bothers me and then um, not really spoilers the big set piece at the end the, 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 is set on a boat on a river during a storm. And it is painfully apparent that that is not a real boat on a real river in a real storm. Yikes. Um, it's, it, that was hard, it was hard to endure in regards to that. Cape Fear wasn't a fan, except for De Niro. He's the only reason to watch it, mm -hmm. or if you're a Scorsese super fan. Otherwise, avoid at all costs. Uh, my number 11, another movie um, that I didn't really enjoy. I found it way too boring and way too dry, despite the amazing pedigree of it being a Scorsese film and one of my closest and dearest friends, Dan Lewis, being in it, and that's The Age of Innocence. Um, just honestly almost a snooze fest for me. Um, other than Daniel Day-Lewis being great, uh, Winona Ryder being strong, um, honestly, if I didn't know that Scorsese directed this, I wouldn't be able to tell you that Scorsese directed this. Mm. Um, just didn't like it. Um, my number 10 is going to draw some ire from you two boys. My number 10 is Shutter Island. Um, didn't I enjoyed it, but not enough to put this any higher than number 10. I really like this. For me, for me, a movie that just gets better on rewatch. Re for opinion, sure. But. My number nine is going to draw a huge disgust from our guest. My number nine is Taxi Driver. Whoa. Okay. I'm, I'm just glad it wasn't my number one. <laughs> <laughs> um, Taxi Driver, uh, I'd seen a couple times a long time ago, and then we, we, uh, we I think it was Many Movie many yeah, movie Club. Abby, I think, picked it. I think so, yeah. And uh, upon watching it, um, it's all the technical aspects. De Niro's obviously spectacular. I forgot how incredibly gorgeous Civil Shepard was. Um, it's also, I, I talked about it with the people in the movie club. She's, she looks very similar to my high school sweetheart. And so mm. I got a little nostalgic for Ooh. my high school sweetheart. A little nostalgia like, boner. I nice. did. I really did. <laughs> um, but I found the movie a little too dark for me to fully enjoy. Probably was my mood when I was watching it. Um, that's not to say it's a bad movie. 
Uh, it's just the opposite of me. I don't see myself revisiting this right. anytime soon, but it is a brilliantly made film um, with a spectacular performance at the center of it. Um, my number eight is The Aviator, um, another movie that is lifted by two great performances, um, DiCaprio and Kate Blanchett, um, who again won the Oscar uh, for it. Uh, it's a perfectly enjoyable film. Um, and one that we will be revisiting eventually down the line. I remember being really impressed by the wings sequences. Yes. Yeah. Yep. Good call. Uh, my number seven uh, is the same as Sam's. We're two for two. At the, my number eight was the aviator. My number seven is the Irishman. Uh, I've only seen it once. I keep wanting to revisit it, but then I also it's have a commitment. to commitment. Yeah, it's you know three and a half hours, so I have to put three and a half. Yes, yeah. three and a half hours. Damn. Yeah. yeah. Um, worth it though worth it for a revisit is a entirely different mm -hmm. thing so i am excited to revisit it uh my only complaint about that movie i i don't remember it that well the the de-aging process obviously isn't going to hold up but what i there's a scene where robert de niro has to kick a guy yeah it's hilarious and it's funny yeah it's like it's, why did scorsese shoot that in a wide we talk about him having intentional all of the shots like his intention should have been to obscure the fact that De Niro's actually in his 70s. Yes, because uh, he's supposed to be, like, in his 20s, and you can see by his movement he is not in his 20s. <laughs> There's, I was looking at him, I'm like, that wouldn't hurt a baby yeah. if you kicked him like that. <laughs> uh, my number six, uh, probably too low for you boys, but my number six is The Departed. Um, I do... Exactly where Wes yeah, had it. That's where I had it. Um, I do prefer the, uh, the Hong Kong film Infernal Affairs, but that's because I saw that first. Mm. So when I went and saw The Departed, which I was super excited for because I love Infernal Affairs, all the things that you get excited for, the reveals and all that, already occurred. I've, I, there wasn't anything shocking because it is a remake of a film I've already seen. You've never seen Infernal Affairs, Wes? Like when I say it's shot for shot in a lot of spots, there there's many shots that are like ripped directly from Infernal yeah. Affairs. Yeah, like directly. And he credits credits yeah yeah it's right? he's not he's not ripping it off it is a complete remake it's yeah. an homage and infernal affairs is really fucking good it is i saw infernal, it is good like i saw infernal affairs i well i saw infernal affairs i think within two years of its release in hong kong which i if i'm not mistaken i think it was about eight years before the departed was made i have it in my head in the year 2000 but i could be wrong yeah you can if you look yeah. that up for me so yeah i have I, I wow oh two four oh, years before Departed. So four years so I watched Infernal Affairs probably like four or five times before The Departed came out so that's that's why The Departed isn't as high for me that's not to diminish it it is an obviously spectacular film mm -hmm. I am sad I am sad that that's what Scorsese has his Oscar for I know. Um, but at least he has one worth also mentioning uh, Infernal Affairs is about an hour shorter than The Departed so yeah. The Departed does add a lot of stuff oh, it okay. does yeah um my number five is Casino. Uh, I love Casino. I can watch it over and over and over again. It is basically Godfather or God, Goodfellas Part Two. And Goodfellas Just, is already Godfather yeah, Part Four. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, um, but yeah, I, I love Casino. I think Sharon Stone is absolutely magnificent in her second best performance of all time. It's a another great performance from Pesci, a great performance from De Niro, and it's just a fully entertaining story. Um. My number four is a movie I only watched for the first time a couple years ago, and ever since, I want to rewatch it every chance I get, uh, and that's The Color of Money. I fucking love that movie. 
I went into it really not expecting very much, and um, it's the movie Paul Newman got his Oscar for, and he is spectacular in it. Tom Cruise is a young, charismatic Tom Cruise who just blows up the screen when he's on it. It uses uh, Scorsese uses music perfectly. There's a song. Um, there's a scene set to the song of um, Werewolf in London that is just mind-blowingly good. Cruz, at this age, is already starting his, oh, I'm doing a movie about pool. I better learn how to play pool, and he does. So you get to see Tom Cruise actually make the shots. They don't do the camera trickery where just he's about to pull the They do a close-up. You watch him make these incredible shots. So I love that. Um, absolutely <laughs> I can't heap enough praise on The Color of Money. I fucking love that movie. That's awesome. Uh, my number three uh, is Gangs of New York. Ooh, wow. uh, I, I love Gangs of New York. I've always loved Gangs of New York. Even with Cameron Diaz shitting up the place, I still have mm. a complete blast watching that movie every time. And it is 98% because of Daniel Day-Lewis. He, that is my favorite Daniel Day-Lewis performance. Uh, I know everybody loves Daniel Plainview, Plainview, and that's great and awesome, but if I want to watch Daniel Day-Lewis have fun on screen, it is as Bill the Butcher. I fucking love his performance, hence I love that movie. The other 2% is DiCaprio. Mm-hmm. Um, he's, I think, in Briefly this, Liam Neeson. Yeah, and briefly <laughs> Liam Neeson. Uh, and John C. Riley. And Brendan, oh, dude, and, and that Bre- was John C. Riley's year. That yeah. was when John C. Riley, for some reason, was he just was the in, MVP. He was the that was three best pictures. Two thousand two. John John C. Riley has a year. He's in three of the best pictures. Uh, Gangs of New York. Yeah. Chicago. And I don't think I'm gonna get the third one. Is uh, it like the hours the or hours. something? Yeah. Oh wow. Oh, okay. Yeah, he's in three of the five wow. best picture nominees. Yeah, insane. And I think he's in at least one other like really good movie that year. I think. Um. Yeah, the Gangs of New York is a movie that I can watch over and over and over again. Um. I love it. I know that a lot of really big Scorsese fans uh, shit on that movie, um, and I can understand why compared to what he's done. But for me, Gangs of New York is a movie oh. I absolutely love. We're down to the last two, which is obvious which the two are. Honestly, these two can flip-flop, so I went with my heart. My number two is The Wolf of Wall Street. Um, it is a movie that I honestly don't have a reason why. But I remember not wanting to go and see it in theaters for some reason. I think I was going through a phase where I was hating on DiCaprio. And I was just like, I don't want to fucking see this. And when I finally got around to watching it, I was so angry at myself for skipping it. Um, I think this is, personally, this is, I think, DiCaprio's best performance. 100% agree. I, In all honesty, I think this is head and shoulders above everything else he's ever done. Um, and that's saying a lot because I think he is a spectacular actor. Uh, I f- love this movie. It is quickly climbing the charts of my favorite movies. Um, I don't know if it'll crack my top 20 the next time I make the list, but I bet you I'll put it in consideration. Mm-hmm. Um, I can watch this movie over and over and over again. Um, DiCaprio is great. Margot Robbie is a revelation. Um, and uh, Jonah Hill is awesome. Mm. Uh, and all the other supporting actors... Uh, are great as well. It's an absolutely fun thrill blast of a movie that I can't get enough of. Trying to figure out why you would have not liked Leonardo DiCaprio at this time. So six months prior to Wolf of Wall Street, approximately, uh, Great Gatsby comes out. Uh, Didn't see it. I saw it one time. Okay. Uh, before that, Django. 
Okay, so yeah, well, then what's my fucking problem? What's yeah. before that? And the, before that, J. Edgar. Oh, that's bad. Is it? It's a ve- it's a rare misfire. And then uh, Inception before that. Okay, yeah. Hmm. So I have no idea what my problem was. Yeah. And, Shru- being, and Shutter Island, same year. Just being a, a fucking douchebag. Oh, yeah. Shutter Island's the same year as Wolf of Wall Street? You're same year as Inception. You're just trying to be a oh. hipster. Aren't I think, I, I, honestly, <laughs> I probably, I might have been. Yeah. Um, yeah. I can't, and what, this Going is 2012? 13. 2013. Okay. Yeah. yeah, I got nothing. Hmm. Okay. Um, so number one is Goodfellas, and we've just yeah. spent three hours talking about the movie. I don't need to keep any more praise on it. It's a masterpiece. Awesome. awesome. That was a I'm lot of fun. I'm shocked that Gangs of New York is that high. Really? I thought Cameron Diaz's performance would have dropped. That no, the rest of the movie is really that good. Yeah. yeah. I really need to rewatch it. I, I just, really I just have that. so much fun watching that movie. Mm-hmm. I, it's just a thoroughly enjoyable. The the film action for me. set pieces are so good too. The action set pieces are exceptionally good. Yeah. Am I right in remembering that the production design was a bit off? I don't uh, know why. I, I re- have that. I remember liking head, it. It's, it's also a period piece, so yep. the production design is usually the best parts of those. Oh, yeah, I don't. It, are you uh, talking about like sets, costumes, or the whole thing? Because I can't, I, my appreciation and enjoyment of the movie might be overshadowing my overshadowing mm-hmm. my ability to see that. Yeah. But I can't think of. I think their costumes are fine. Costume, yeah. Costumes so the, the set design. I don't, I don't remember having a problem. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, you know who else is great in that movie is uh, Brendan Gleeson. Yes. Yeah. Matt I Moody yeah. in Kings New York. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. That was a lot of fun. Thank yeah. you for suggesting that. Yes, that was yeah, fun. making the list. Yeah, you bet. Um, all right. Next week, we actually don't know what's going on next week. No idea. Sam has... I have thrown yet another wrench into our plans. Yeah. Sam is uh, very busy yeah. uh, following his musical career, Thank and you. he is uh, unfortunately unavailable. Well, we could make next week work if we really put forth the effort, but why? There's no need to add stress into Sam's life when this is supposed to be fun. So Thanks, man. I'm going to throw out some of the PFGs and see if somebody wants to join me for a movie. Jordan and I did have something lined up, but sadly, a personal aspect of my life uh, clipped my wings on that one. Mm-hmm. So maybe Jordan and I could redo that one. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'll reach out to her and see if she wants to still do that. Otherwise, tune in next week. It's a surprise for us all. We don't even know what's <laughs> going on. Um, now we must thank Wes for coming on yet again. Dude, in person. In person. For the first time. Uh, and it'll be this way from now on. Yeah, exactly. Yes. <laughs> Samuel and Manuel and Wes <laughs> movie <laughs> podcast <laughs> forever. I'm in. Yeah. I'm in. Twist my uh, arm. Once we hit 2010s, then it will be. Yeah, for sure. Perfect. <laughs> um, yeah, Wes, it was an absolute joy to have you here. Uh, it's always a joy having you here. I fucking love it. Uh, it was so much fun having you here in person as well. Uh, thank you so much for joining us, for and sure. we will, from here going forward, we'll put Scorsese movies in the lineup for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and we'll uh, we'll add them add them to the ever growing list of movies. Yeah, yeah, that's great. What do you think, uh, Babylon episode? We'll, we'll get you on there. Oh, totally. <laughs> I, could, I could talk about that for hours. Oh, and we yeah. we have, and we could. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. So thank you so much, Wes, for coming on. Can't wait of to course. have you on again. Yeah, buddy. Thanks a lot, man. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for having me, and thanks for having me on for my favorite director. It's too. It's it's really special for me. Perfect. Awesome. Uh, please remember to rate, review, and subscribe to us on iTunes. Give us a five-star rating and a positive review. It does increase the profile of our podcast. allows more people to find us, which we desperately need. You can also follow us on Instagram and Threads. Thre- Do we have a Threads account? Yeah. Oh, Jesus. Yeah. Nice. Because it, it took me a, literally a press of a button to make it. Early. Was, we like, are early. We're in early. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'm going to try and thread more. <laughs> 
but we're on uh, Sam underscore Manny underscore movie. I think I'm going to use threads to like, well, I would say live tweet, but like live thread as I'm watching a movie. Oh, yeah. I'm going to use your hot takes. Yeah. I, I, thread your I use takes. Instagram to post the movies we're watching and my, my personal reviews. Um, and then uh, I might use threads to like live thread while I'm watching a movie if I can remember to do so. That's a good idea. Yeah. I'm trying to remember Wolf of Wall Street. Oh, yeah. I'm trying to remember this quote. It's like getting in on fucking sunlight before there was fucking sunlight. You understand? (laughs) (laughs) Um, You can also email us at sammanymoviepodcast at gmail.com. On Spotify, we do have a question attached to each episode. If you answer the question, I will read it on air. And it's been fun. And then if you answer the question, that makes me and Sam also have to answer the question, which has been enjoyable as well indeed uh you can follow us on letterbox at manny 42 and sam reimer and wesley cole meineker perfect uh if you are not on letterbox and and you're a movie fan you are doing yourself a disservice it is easily the app i use the most now um and that's it fuck it we're out for the samuel emmanuel movie podcast i'm manny manuel as far back as i can remember i always wanted to be a podcaster i'm sam reimer go ahead and I'm Wes Meineke. <laughs> <laughs> Adios! I know you, you're-